Hello. Hello. Mm-hmm. You had such a brief break from the Skype avatar changing game. <laughs> you're back. You're back to your old tricks. You got a uh, portrait orientation rectangular picture in a circle uh, frame with white stuff on both sides. That's the stuff. That's, that's to maintain that's, the original aspect ratio. That's the the old Merlin magic. <laughs> Here's the thing. If I'm going to, as Casey likes to say, if I'm going to troll you, I don't want it to be a simple troll. I want it to have mm-hmm. levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is is uh, that haircut a troll too? <laughs> I wouldn't call it a haircut. Uh, I am overdue. You are. That's, I think that's the most hair I've seen on you. That's a pretty good head of hair, you got to admit. Yeah, it is. For, for a man of your advanced age? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Blessed. All right, Skype is saying I can't close this window because call recorder won't be able to video record. Oh my god, this computer is so small. <sighs> that was that was a new one. I got to add this to the list of like, uh, not schoolyard, school age child, student. I don't know. I can't think of the right uh, description. Uh, excuses, and your excuse was, I'm on a smaller computer, mm-hmm. and so I don't have as much room for Windows. When, so. I, said, I think what I said was mi- window management is an issue. Mm-hmm. And therefore, so what, what follows from this? Well, the screen on this computer that I'm using is very, very small. As we record mm-hmm. this, it is Tuesday, October 24th, 2017. And I have to use a different computer than I usually use. And it's very, very small. And the arrow keys are garbage. And it's a small screen. So like, it's hard to fit everything in. And our Google Doc is long. Mm-hmm. And I, gotta, I have to scroll to get through it. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be a fun way, you know, fun way to mix it up i think you should drive i always drive you think you're driving oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) not only was i not driving but i thought i was driving you're leading from behind is what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) when they say lead follow or get out of the way you're not supposed to get out of the way oh i thought it was keep moving and get out of the way that's and 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 get get out out of the the way. way Right. You're good, man. Boy, for how, considering how bad your memory is, your memory's really good. <laughs> no, here's the thing with the memories. Oh, you got such a bad memory. You don't remember stuff. I remember the unimportant garbage and the important things leave my head. That's you might how remember, for example, works. that the singer of the German band Accept is named Udo Dirkschneider. I, for a while, when you get into these music conversations on the Rock Online, Sometimes I have trouble parsing because the named of the, you're naming bands that I've never heard of, and they're often common words. So there's a band called Accept, but when you form sentences and I don't see the capital <laughs> E when you're speaking, it makes no sense. No, so no, that's a band no, name. no, no, no. The other Accept, uh, like A A C C, as in to allow. Well, either way, I can't tell with your accent and the no, lack of capital letters in, in speaking. So it's just it's it being nonsense. And I, that's not nonsense. I was into uh, mini metal bands. Accept is not a very metal sounding name. Maybe it is in like, Germany. Yeah, you're not supposed to accept things in metal. You're supposed to like oh, rebel against them. Yeah, right. exactly. Reject Resistance. would be great. And the E would be backwards. It would be spelled with a K. That's yeah. a metal band name. That would be maybe a, a noi metal band, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is strange. I, who was I talking to about this? I think I was uh, DMing. Um, Boston Zone, Bill Janowitz, and I was saying, like, it's so crazy to me how the so much of my memory is really frayed, and I can feel it being frayed. And it's just there's it's it's sort of like to be honest, like my late grandmother with Alzheimer's, where suddenly she would have a good day, 
And she would remember or seem to remember something extremely specific, like from her childhood. And sometimes the story checked out. She told us things we never knew about her life when she was older, that suddenly a lot of stuff made sense. And it was just because like suddenly there would just be this accessible memory. And I know you, you're saying, oh, maybe it wasn't a real memory. But with me, the music stuff, it just pops out of nowhere. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even know the information is sitting there. I, I know like at least four members of Night Ranger. Like, why do I know that? It's... I think it's because, first of all, we've talked about this, things like whatever fantasy novels, D&D, kids of a certain age and comportment are very attracted to things that are very information dense and where there's rewards for quick recall, you know, plus you're very emotional about it. So I guess those memories tend to stick. Ice water, ice bucket challenge. What was that? I can't even remember the name of that meme. It was only like two years ago. Ice bucket challenge? Is this where you pour water on somebody for yeah. leukemia? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I was the name of it? I think it was called the Ice Bucket Challenge, and it was All a right. meme. Anyway, yeah. I, was do- I was doing that as one step away from putting your arm in ice water, remembering blah, blah, Like, that's why you remember that crap. One of the many reasons. In addition to the ones you cited, I think, that we remember that stuff. It's because our arms were in a bucket of ice water. That feels like a really good observation, but I'm not even sure what the observation was. I, I-, I think we- I understand what you're saying. We've gone over this. We've you gone get over adjacent, this. You get adjacent, uh, adjacently organized memories. So, like, there's the tip of the tongue phenomenon. I remember this. I feel like I see. Now you're going to get me. Maybe I don't remember this. You're going to circle back. You're going to you're going to get there eventually, probably. Okay. Which one am I? This for the people who don't have encyclopedic knowledge of this nonsense show, which is another thing that should leave your memory instead of your kids' birthdays. But for some people, this will stick in your memory. Oh. What I'm referring to is some. It's something you uh, keep bringing up, and I keep misunderstanding. I thought it was about making somebody pee the bed, and you said (laughs) it's about you get it's primacy (laughs) and recency, behavioral science. Cognitive yeah, so like the, error. It, it's a, a some study done at some <laughs> some university. You should right? get a so, you should get an NPR show. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's basically that's it's, it's a whole segment right here where they had people trying to like memorize stuff. So they'd show them things like I don't know numbers or shapes or words or whatever, and they would and the, and then time would pass and I'd ask them to recall. Did you see this? Did you see that? So on. It's just a basic memory experiment. And the variable, the thing they were varying was one group of people just saw the stuff and then like later got quizzed on what they saw, testing their memory. And the second group of people did the exact same thing, only their arm was in a bucket of ice water the entire time they were seeing stuff. Right. That's it. The only difference in the experiment. And the arm in the bucket of ice water, I don't know if you've ever done that, but like in the beginning, it's like, ooh, this is cold, but eventually it starts to hurt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to die from it. You're just, just your arm. The rest of your body's in a room temperature room. You're not going into hypothermia. It's not that long. But putting your arm in a bucket of ice water hurts. And right. so you're there for the, you know, three minutes or whatever. They're making you look at the different shapes and they ask you to recall. And the people with the arm of the bucket of ice water had much better recall. Uh-huh. Right. And so that's the idea. If your body is under any kind of stress, like any kind of situation that is, I mean, people aren't, in, they're, not, they're not in danger. They're not drowning. They know they're not going to die, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, you know, what, whatever reaction your body has to discomfort or high stress, stress. you know, yeah. type of thing makes the things that you see cement themselves in your brain better than if you're just sitting there comfortable in the chair. And the analogy I keep drawing is yes. that puberty is essentially being having your arm in a bucket of ice water for many, many years. And so anything we experience during those formative years when we're essentially our entire bodies are in a thing of ice water under a constant stress and changing environment cements into our brains in uh, uh, more strongly than if we were had settled down and our brains had finished yes. forming and we were a little bit more chill. Oh, I'm glad you finally explained it because now now I remember the study you're talking about. Um, uh, I, I think, of course, you're talking about Pierce et al. in the uh, in the journal in the journal Pain. I believe it was in 1990. 
if memory serves, I, again, this is just an interest psych, so I don't know you, if you I didn't didn't have your arm in a bucket of ice water when I first talked about this, but now you do, so it'll really stick. Don't I? <laughs> Evidence has been found for the existence. This is on the uh, Internet Science article for state dependent memory, and I do very much this. See, this is why I. This is why in my, oh boy, we're, we're so deep in the stack. This is why in my head, this is with the pile from the cognitive psych module. This is lumped in with primacy and recency because there was, there is a, they, they, they taught us all this at the same time. Primacy and recency. You remember the first thing and the last thing, right? The other state dependent one, I remember they said like, don't drink a ton of coffee to study without also then taking a lot of coffee for the test, a similar kind of thing. Right. <laughs> sounds like a, a study funded by the, the coffee growers of America. <laughs> Are there any coffee growers in America? Maybe that doesn't work. Evidence has been found for the existence of state-dependent learning in conditions of pain. Individuals who were subject to induced pain by placing their hands in ice water recalled a given list of words better when their hands were once again in the ice water than when their hands were placed in warm water. How about that? That's different than the one. I, that's that's the coffee. Oh, you weren't talking uh, about before weren't talking and after. I was talking, Pier, this Pierce was an entire all. arm because it was a video segment for it. It was on PBS where I, I see all these stupid studies. Um, uh, but it was yeah, it was definitely an entire arm, and it was just about recall. It wasn't about hey, it, you know, when they asked them to recall it, they didn't put their arm back in the ice water. But yeah, what you're talking about is if you study with coffee, take the test with coffee, right? But I mean, you well, just they, they would also pee. say like stu- pee, try, right? try studying, and well, it could be. I know I would. I got a jug for a reason. Saying. Yeah, exactly. It's like ice water. Uh, the other one they would say is uh, consider studying in the room where you're going to take the test, which I think is an interesting thing. Yeah. Consider studying the room where the answers are. Mm. Room where it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Memory is a funny thing. Uh, what were we talking about? We're talking about. So this is why you remember dumb facts about bands, because these are bands that you learned about in your formative years. And now that you're done forming. I know. Okay, so anyway, tip of the tongue phenomenon, if memory serves, the way that works is I'm not going to look it up on the internet science site, but tip of the tongue phenomenon is where you go, uh, you know, your first thing is there's something I know that I know, or I know that I have known. And I I know that I know it, but I don't know what it is right now. It's the first, that's how it presents to me first. And then eventually, if you stick with it a little bit, my, actually, my tactic is to say to myself, stop thinking about this and it will occur to you later. And that usually works, but because the stress doesn't help. But then the tip of the tongue phenomenon, you might remember the first letter. I think that's related, right? Like you remember, oh, I, it starts with, I still remember or think I remember when I couldn't remember the name Charlene Tilton, the actress from Dallas. This was about when I was about probably 15, 16 years old. And it was driving me crazy because I knew I knew the name Charlene Tilton. Now I'm 50 years old and I remember that I couldn't remember Charlene Tilton, even though I don't have any water here. And now every time you take a drink from a water fountain, you think of Charlene Tilton. Fortunate son. <laughs> Yeah. pick up my flute. so the the so the, the, uh, the my success rate for my entire life with like oh what's that thing you know it's on the tip of my tongue blah blah has been just awful right like oh i just know it starts with an m and like you know it's basically chance it, it may start with m may not it's like but do you, do you try I and push like, through that historically you try to just push through and like i'm just going to keep saying this word and hope it comes out right uh the only thing that i only have one technique that has ever worked for me on the i can't remember a thing what the hell is it and that's going through the alphabet which is a trick that a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. You can't remember what it is. I try not to get too hung up on what I think. Oh, I'm totally sure. I, you know, like what letter it starts with or how many syllables in order that it rhymed with this or that I learned about it on a television show. Like, I don't trust any of that. It's useless to me. Wow. But I will just go through the alphabet in my head. A, and then just like start, try to sort of autocomplete. This is before the ages of autocomplete. Yeah. But, you know, you just go through the alphabet. And when you get to the letter the thing actually begins with, Putting out of your mind that you thought it started with M, like put that out of your mind. Just go through the alphabet one letter at a time and each letter stop and consider, 
does it be, is it filed under A? Does it begin with A? And just try to sound out any words that begin with A and go to the next one. Don't reject your intuition at that point because you're, sometimes your intuition is, sometimes it'll be like, you'll go like, oh, that can't be it. And you skip past it. And it's the same phenomenon that causes, causes people to search for things in the places where they've already searched. It's like, no, you have to go to look in the places where it's not. In that case, I think if you incline your mind a little bit to like say, oh, I got a little nibble in T, but I don't know why. Maybe I should just pause on that for a minute. When I'm running the algorithm, it usually succeeds spectacularly in that I don't have to say like, oh, don't don't uh, skip over X because it might be X. Like it just comes to me when I get the right letter without that much effort, like immediately no having to judge by a tickle. That's why the technique works. All me trying to figure out the tickles is the tip of the tongue. When I go through the alphabet, just run the algorithm methodically and stop thinking about it at all. And when you get to the letter, it just pops out like just boom like you know it's kind of like that uh another thing that i heard uh, suggestibility it was i think we were doing oh i never speaking tip of the tongue i never remember what the hell these <laughs> things are called you'll tell me it's the thing where they they draw like a picture like uh i'll use the exact same example i think i gave the last time i asked you what this is called mm-hmm. so this is how i know that you know it because okay. you'll I think, and like you see I the trust, word block. Trust your, trust your intuition. you see the word the word block in like English calligraphy mm-hmm. with a little piece of the corner broken off of it, and they're trying to get you to say chip off the old block. Right. What are those called? Uh, it's almost like a rebus. Yeah, I think that's what they're called. See, I knew you'd know. Like a rebus is like in the inside of a beer cap where you you make a phrase out of pictures, or in that case, it becomes it could be like a pun or a saying. Or something. Yeah, uh, re- puzzles. Yeah, so chip chip off the old block, you know, uh, like there's a million of them, yeah. And anyway. The concentration, yeah. And, and uh, they're very clever. Like chip, the chip off the old block is an easy one to remember, but uh, there are other ones like a word in larger type written over a word in smaller type that's a common phrase. The, the tricky part of it is when you don't know the phrase, like I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and they have the word secret written three times, you know, in a stack and the top one is circled and they're trying to get you to say top secret because it's the top instance of the word secret, right? Oh, right. But okay. what if you had never heard the phrase top secret? Yeah. That's the problem with these Rebus puzzles. What if you had never heard the phrase top secret and you're racking your brain? Oh, John, and that's say, a bad oh, puzzle. I'm looking at it. That's a, that's not a good puzzle. I know. These are not, that's not a good one. But like, but just imagine you'd never heard the phrase top secret. Like right. it wasn't common and like whatever. And you're just racking your brain over it for like a month. And someone tells you, no, look, it's top secret. You're like, top secret? What's that? And you just wasted all this time. It seems like a, it seems like if I didn't know any better, I would look at this. And it's on the Internet Science page for this. I would look at it and say, I, I would think that this means selecting the first of something in a set of three selecting you, would got it. You, you would get it eventually though right i put you it know it's a common phrase that's the, all these all these rebus puzzles they're they're premised on the idea that it's a common phrase that people have heard of people have heard of chip off the old block i would have made i would have made a graphical top hat out of the word secret <laughs> well, we're not asking you to write your own rebus trying to try to let you do, no? figure out i think i could be very anyway. good at that all of this is to say that back in when I was in maybe, you know, sixth grade or something, someone had like a printout of these, like a ditto machine printout at school or something, which made it more difficult, by the way, because the chip off the old block, it just looked like a like a stray piece of like ditto mimeograph ink or whatever, like to figure out, oh, that's supposed to be a chip. Anyway, it was really blurry. And there was a whole sheet of these and I'm a nerdy kid and, and I want to show how smart I am. So I'm, I'm going through and I'm doing them all and I couldn't get one of them. And I heard somewhere, maybe from a hippie ant. This is way before the internet, so it couldn't have been something around the internet. But some some person told me at some point, not related to this, that if you're having trouble figuring out like a puzzle like this, like that you need some kind of breakthrough. Oh, top secret is the top one that's circled, right? If you, if, if it's like a breakthrough type thing and you're not having the breakthrough and you're thinking about it and thinking about it and you just can't come up with an answer, especially since I was I was psyching myself out by saying 
the reason I can't get this one is because it's a phrase I've never heard of. And once you once that seed gets in your mind, you start sabotaging yourself. You're like, why am I even thinking about this? It's just some phrase I don't even know. And it's going to be, I'm never going to get it, first of all. And second of all, if someone ever tells me, I'm just going to be angry because it's a phrase I've never heard of, right? Yeah. So I started to convince myself of that. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to use this technique. And the technique was um, try to figure it out, think about it, but then go to sleep. Like, you know, you can think about it before you go to bed. It doesn't really matter. But just like go to sleep that day. And at night, your brain will work on the puzzle. And when you wake up in the morning, the answer will be in your head. Mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the uh you know the mice eat it and get thirsty and go outside and die that's the that's the that's the piece of homespun wisdom i've heard i've heard even more i've heard that but i've heard even more specifically to like really cue it off you say okay i'm going to sleep right now by the time i brush my teeth or when i brush my teeth tomorrow i will know the answer to this that you give yourself yeah that's more of like the 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 secret technique right that wasn't that the Oprah? Book, oh, the right. What do they call that? Where you can envision it. You get a, like, get a what's it called? Uh, manifesting. You want it to manifest. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all part of the same mumbo jumbo, right? But, but this, nah, was, yeah, this was definitely a kinder, gentler one where nah. it didn't, wasn't even prescriptive, where no. it made you set a deadline. No. No, right. no. It's a, for, it's a form of biofeedback in some ways. It's really what you, when you're doing <laughs> yeah, any of yeah. those and biofeedback, just, will you shut your dirty just mouth. Gra- just grasp the e meter and answer <laughs> all these soup cans. <laughs> Uh, give me your checkbook. The uh, I think the one thing that is great in all of these is a trick in a lot of these. If you look at a lot of different kinds of exercises to get from here to there, so many of them involve turning off your monkey mind because your monkey mind is what gets in the way. It's your it's your self talk and your self talk about your self talk that generates, if you like, so much noise that it's hard for a signal to get through. And I think relaxation, you know, for me, like concentrating on bringing my heartbeat down one way or another. Is very useful to me. It's very it can be very centering, and I think that's a trick. That's a little life, if you, a life hack, if you like, is that you uh, you give yourself permission to remember that, and you relax. Yeah. So this so this technique that I had heard, just go to sleep when you wake in the morning. The thing will be in your mind. Like so many of these things, it doesn't matter if there's any foundation to this. All that matters is that you believe that it will work. And I'm not sure how much I believe that it would work, but I believed it enough to say I've exhausted all other possibilities. I'm kind of sure this is a phrase I don't actually know. And that's going to annoy me. And this will let me stop thinking about it for the day. If I say, I'm going to do the sleep thing, the sleep thing that I heard about, I'm going to do it. Uh, and I did it. And I woke up the next morning. And the second, like my brain came to the consciousness, the answer was already in my head. Oh my God. Okay. <clears throat> I've heard that you can also do that for various kinds. Obviously you're saying for puzzles here, for something kind of abstract and not critical. I've heard it's another way like to like just figure out stuff about your life that like that's a good way to like almost like a form of not fortune telling, but a way of saying like, you know, I'm not sure what to decide about this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do an experiment in this. I have never like in that arena, like this is just about stupid puzzles. Like, oh, you say you're stuck. And by the way, that's the only time it has ever worked because I think kind of the magic wears off if I think about well, how it. Much much, like, it. You, how much have you tried it? Have you how much have you tried it? I've tried it a few readers. times since there. And like, and I think like the second time it didn't work like magic. I'm like, oh, this is BS. And the whole point there's is a, BS sci- the whole there's time. a scienti- scientific reason is you don't believe. Well, I know it's Dumbo's feather. I, I get it. Right. No, it's cutting uh, the ends off the roast. That, wait, what is well, it? No, it's <laughs> Dumbo's feather. Keep it straight. Um, <laughs> Can we do an ebook? Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu's pedals. <laughs> Can we do an ebook? I want to write all of. This. I want someone to write all of this down. We could help so many people with an ebook about all the things we didn't really understand what we were talking about when we were talking about it. Oh, I understand it. We're all we're all on the same page. Anyway, I like those fun little things. I like rebuses. I like those kind of puzzles. Uh, as long as the phrase is one that I actually know, because it's like the worst torture one. It's one you don't know. And I like those fun, like sort of self brain hack techniques, especially ones that like 
work on smart people like because that's the trick the smart people won't believe like oh i'm so clever i don't believe in that mumbo jumbo it's like the trick with the mumbo jumbo is if you can bring yourself to believe it the mumbo jumbo transforms into a useful tool like briefly perhaps mm-hmm. in my case but but still and it's fun it's like a it's like a party trick you know it's like being hypnotized yeah, i mean what what harm is there in that there's no atheist in rebus no, it's, it's it's beneficial because yes. you, you did it you tried a different thing and you got the result you wanted and you don't care like what made it happen it's not if it's not reproducible it's not that useful but it's fun it's they're just like the rebus puzzles they're just fun i find those type of things fun i don't know i have to admit that there's a part of me as somebody who has been interested in various cockamamie things throughout life uh that i would be happy to outline some of which are public some of which are not uh, I am, I'm very interested, I wouldn't say in stuff like the occult, but there's all kinds of stuff that science, science today or pseudoscience today that used to be considered total mythology or occult stuff. And I guess I'm, I am still interested about exactly where that intersection is. I mean, one example is alternative medicine where, I mean, I think there's a, I think it's fair to say that there is a combination of extreme overconfidence in what's knowable in what we think of as medical science. And uh, I don't know, maybe extreme overhopefulness in what's not medical science. But I mean, I've, I've, I've been to doctors who are like, well, you know, we don't know why hypnosis works to stop smoking, but it's something you could do. We don't know why changing your diet in this way changes it. Especially if in my case, you've got a chronic disease of unknown etiology. Like nobody knows why people get what I get, but it is a thing. And, but there are ways to treat that. And then to even add to the mumbo jumbo, because it, what's, if you have, in this case, if you have a condition that, that is, that doesn't have a totally understandable etiology, I think that doesn't get researched as much. It's much easier to say, well, yeah, breast cancer is definitely a thing. Let's work on that. And I'm glad they do. But like, I am interested in like walking up to that line of like, well, you know, what if some of this mumbo jumbo is at least effective and possibly real? Like, I, I'm not saying manifest fortunes for yourself, but aren't you ever a little bit curious about that? You cast spells, I'm sure, at some point in your life. I don't cast spells. You've never cast um, a spell in your life. No. I See, the thing the thing with the situation you're describing is that's a place I never want to be because that's where you've fallen off the end. It's like there is nothing left except whatever. Stand on your head. Like, try. We don't. We can't help you with reason and science because, you know. We don't know. Uh, And so you are left to whatever you can come up with. And if you can discover or someone suggests something that happens to work for you, that's better than what we got because we got nothing for you. Like, and if I'd never want to be in a situation. So you're in danger of like hucksters at that point. Not not really in danger of hucksters. It's just the the thing is, I want real medicine. (laughs) I want actual medicine that works. It's like, no, actually, we, we don't know anything about this disease. And it's like, oh, that sucks. I never want to be in that place because that means the solution's that are going to work whether you believe in them or not, there's none of those available okay, to you. Okay, all so, right. Well, let me let me ask you about medical marijuana. What is your thought on medical marijuana? But that's the thing that people know works, right? Now, I mean, they well, do now we say, do, but when I first, I got to be honest with you, when I first heard about, oh, you have to have medical marijuana so you can treat your glaucoma, and I would always roll my eyes and go, oh, you silly hippies, why don't you just buy illegal weed like everybody and feel guilty about it? And I thought, but it seems to me that it is apparent that for reasons that medicine and uh, sort of uh, organized scientific rational medicine was not willing to even look at 30 years ago. I mean, don't we agree that that's kind of a thing now? That it isn't just yeah, to get I mean, high, but, that but it has also, benefits? There's all sorts of treatments that like in medical things, you, like one is, is it effective? And two is, do we understand why it's effective? And I feel like two always goes after one, because unless you have a reason for thinking like you should do like this, 
I mean, do I, I don't know anything about medicine, but and, well, aspirin. I like hearing, a, there's a. Here, I remember hearing yeah, aspirin was what I was going to bring up, which I think is probably one of those medicine old wives tales in any medical doctors. Yeah, there's a, like a, there's a really good uh, like TED Ed uh, video about how basically we realized that when we scrape the bark from these trees or whatever it is, and like and eat it, like you know, you get rid of inflammations or whatever. And they didn't know what it was or why it did it. But do we know why how aspirin works now? I have no idea. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah it, I think we do. It probably takes a while to figure out the mechanism. So yeah, so the studies for things like marijuana, obviously anything that's taboo, you're like, oh, we can't do a study on that. And you know, all the other things you said, it's just an excuse to get high, so on and so forth. Um, but now that that is being relaxed, then now it's more, you're more able to say, does this actually help people? It's nice if you can come up with a mechanism. And as we've seen in many, many turns out TED Talk, NPR, whatever things, uh, good old placebo is amazingly good at treating lots and lots of things, which yeah. just goes to show that like when you're off the end of like we have actual medical treatments that will like kill this bacteria in your system and stuff, which is much better than, you know, acupuncture or whatever the hell you're going to do. Right. Oh, yeah, well, we don't have antibiotics. This is not a bacterial infection, but we do have this nice placebo that helps people more than any medicine that we offer for it. And you're like, all right, I'll take the placebo. And it doesn't really matter what the placebo is. The placebo could be, you know, standing in your head or watching reruns of Benson, but you're just happy to to have it. Oh, we should talk about Benson. I, I had a very yeah, specific uh, memory of Benson today that I actually wanted to share with you. Well, without going into too much grisly detail, uh, when I was really struggling with the chronic thing that I have, I was I saw the guy who was head of the department that that thing's about, and he was great. He was very generous and very um, uh, he was just very open. And so, yeah, we tried lots of medicine stuff and that didn't work. And he said, well, here's a couple other things we can try. One of them is this supplement that you can buy at Walgreens that seems to help. And he said, there's another one that I'm not going to recommend to you. He said, but people with your condition sometimes go into complete remission when they start smoking. And he said, you know, obviously I'm not going to recommend that. I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. But that's the kind of thing like aspirin, I guess, or in some cases like gluten, where like even though we don't understand how we got here with this and we don't understand why this works, we can observe that it ameliorates the symptoms of this and it doesn't seem to have side effects. I mean, doesn't that seem like an area that's worth exploring? Well, smoking has a few side effects. Sm okay, fair enough. Maybe you get a patch. Maybe you get 10 patches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the patch probably doesn't do the same thing. Like, so, I, you got to put the patch in your actual butt, yeah. yeah. The, these non-glory uh, diseases, things that don't kill you, right? Like sort of chronic illnesses that reduce quality of life, but don't kill you. They just don't get enough study and probably rightly so. You got to prioritize, right? You're not going to put the money into like, you know, so gluten intolerance is this big thing and it, I'm sure it has been studied, but it's probably studied less uh, than cancer has been. I'm going to guess, right? And mm -hmm. because yeah. it doesn't kill people outright uh, in fairly short order. Um, so it's less well understood. And that's why you're maybe you're not in the thing where they have nothing for you, but they have limited things for you. And then as soon as you fall off the end of their limited options, like you try their things and like, oh, this didn't help me or this had a side effect that was bad. Then you're immediately into like, try taking up smoking. Like that's that's where you're at. That try, you know, vitamin supplements. Try this, try. And and you said the hucksters. Anyone will tell you what to try. I'm not sure the doctors are any better. Um, but you, you, you've fallen off the end of, of uh, human knowledge, which like I said, is a terrible place to be. Yeah. I don't want to ever be there. I hope any disease I get is thoroughly studied and hopefully cured. Yeah, uh, if you're going to get a disease, it's nice to have something common. I'm going to add something to show notes that I recommended recently on Back to Work. Um, I recommended this at my peril with Dan. Uh, there's a really, I, my, the, one of the only turns out podcasts that I listen to is a really good one. Um, I was resistant to listening to Freakonomics because it's Freakonomics, but it's a really good show. And their episode from October 18th is called The Demonization of Gluten. And 
talk about some double, triple turns out. It's a really, I'm putting in show notes, it's a very good episode where they talk about like, um, memory serves, they basically, for example, they realized at one point, I guess this is like hundreds of years ago, that there were people who were very, there were people who were very ill, you know, failure to thrive. They were very thin. They were undernourished. They had all kinds of the knock-on effects from that. And turns out, these people, many of them, suddenly got a lot better in, in a very short period of time after famine came, after there was a much limited, much more limited supply of food. And, you know, turns out that it was probably, it might have been, I guess, celiac that was, that was causing what they had. And it's a sudden reduction in the amount of wheat in their diet made a difference. And then, of course, what's beautiful, because it's Freakonomics, they do a real deep dive in this. They go into stuff like, well, what does it mean when, in fact, there are lots of people who could be eating gluten and it would be fine for, for them. There's lots of people who are eating really cockamamie diets now to avoid gluten and it's not actually healthy. And then what does that mean for the economics of the country if everybody gets off gluten and what are the effects on jobs? And it was just a really interesting article. But I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by, again, my the James Burke uh, part of me. I'm very interested in like unexpected consequences of, you know, the information that's available, how we find it out and how we assimilate it. I mean, I think that's, that's how you go from zero to something. Yeah. That I, because of my, because of my mother, who's very uh, susceptible to this type of thing. I, the, the main thing I think about is like how the, you know, the information age or whatever in the internet and, and it, how fast information spreads, um, accelerates the, uh, the, the other aspect that you talked about, right? So once something is either first identified or first definitively identified or, or starts to get like PR traction, like gluten intolerance or celiac disease and stuff, which I mean, celiac has, has been around for a while, I think, right? But, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it wasn't as prominent. But it's it's not as widespread as people think. And a lot of it is just, it's getting, it's more detectable now. Right. Well, that's what, that's what I'm getting at. Um, so once that is sort of in the culture and spreads around, then everybody... Whoever gets an upset tummy thinks I'm intolerant of gluten and like people who are Lisa susceptible to this type of thing said, I need to change my everything about my diet and never have gluten because gluten is poison and every problem in my life is attributable to gluten. Remember when Mr. Bergstrom has to sub because Miss Hoover thinks she has Lyme disease? What show is that? <laughs> On The Simpsons when, when uh, remember Dustin Hoffman comes in as Mr. Bergstrom? Yeah. Oh, yes, and yes. Mrs. Yes. Hoover, Ms. Hoover comes it. back and it's because she had a hysterical case of Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Lyme disease was big on Long Island for a while. Yeah, but uh, but the, so the gluten thing, yeah. So now you get like, I would love to see the breakdown of people who you could put them into a lab and, you know, double blind determine that they are gluten intolerant by testing things inside their body, not by asking them any questions. And people who are convinced that if they have a single ounce of gluten, they will vomit their brains out and actually will. Like you can test it and give them a tiny piece of bread and they will puke their brains out, right? Right. Uh, but that their bodies are functioning perfectly normally and it's all in their head, right? Because of the, the you know, it's not hysteria. Like It's a kind, it can be a kind of hysteria. It's It's just like increased awareness and certain people are susceptible to the idea of something is prominent in the culture and they latch onto it as the cause for all their woes. It doesn't just have to be food fads. This is one I'm familiar with, but like, uh, you know, anything like that, because things spread so much and are able to be, you know, the sort of the snowball effect of PR where everyone's just aware, like, I mean, and it's, it's kind of worse when it's a bad thing. Cause I remember, mm-hmm. uh, the oat brand wars of, what was that? The, the nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Right. But that was like, a, that was like a thing like, this is beneficial to you. Somehow the entire country 
got it into their head and convinced each other by constantly talking to each other about this. This is going to lower your risk of heart disease. Well, yeah. well, for A was the cholesterol heart disease thing, which was its own thing. But then B was oat bran, probably based on like one crappy study or something. And, and then accelerated by people who had food to sell you realizing they can sell more of the food by labeling it as oat bran. It just went in this, this sort of giant whirlwind cycle until everything was oat bran. And everything you have to eat had to have oat bran in it. And like it, all, all, all food fads, I guess, but they're just, they're so much worse now that we can talk to each other so much more efficiently about these things. But at least that one was like, well, whatever, you're not going to die from eating more oat bran, right? And it's not its not that big of a deal. And honestly, I don't think there's going to be any big economic in- impacts like this Freakonomics thing if people want oat bran and all their stuff. Like maybe it'll make oat <laughs> futures go up or whatever. I don't know. But the opposite one where everybody thinks they can't have sugar or they can't have any gluten and then people realize they can make gluten or, or in, in an earlier age fat yeah or that people realize they can make fat free or gluten-free versions of everything and just whole sections of the population that now literally if you tell them there's gluten in something they will get an upset stomach whether there's gluten in it or not right right, right. like they have they have they have given themselves a, a self-inflicted sickness because of their belief that insert food ingredient x is really hurting them and then mixed in with them are all the people who legit have celiac disease or other actual problems. Yeah. Uh, and I think there is uh, probably no difference between how much they suffer. Between the person who you give, like, the, essentially the placebo gluten, oh, this is filled with gluten, eat it, oh, I feel terrible, versus the person who you give actual gluten and actually has this problem, they feel terrible too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, in some ways, the anticipation and the fear is worse than the actual condition, depending on what, you know, thing you're talking about here. Maybe not celiac, I have no idea, but... And all sorts of other things. It becomes like a kind of public, a kind of public panic, where however it got started, now it is generating actual effects. And I mean, right? And I, there, I was going to say there are good effects of this too, though, because a lot of the whole like avoid gluten translates into avoid carbs, which like it, you know our diet is so heavy in these certain things. Any kind of countervailing force yeah. to try to change our diet to be slightly less one sided, uh, less sugar, less carbs. Like, it's good. Like, it's like that, you know, the famous comic of a person standing up at a climate uh, convention and saying, uh, you know, what if we end up making the world a better place and, all for, and it's all for nothing? I'm, I'm mangling the quote. Like, some, someone, some skeptic say, what, what if we do all this stuff and make the world a better place and it turns out to have all been for nothing? Right. So what, what if we stop eating as many carbs and sugar and it turns out it was all for nothing? It's still fine. But I do worry about the people who, like you said, are changing their diets in radical ways for no reason other than they have unfounded concerns about something. Um, I just added a link to notes. I feel like I brought this up to you in the last couple months, but as you know, we had a big run of watching Seinfeld. Um, do you remember the episode of Seinfeld called the nonfat yogurt? Mm, not, nothing comes to mind. So um, I remember thinking this was, v- it was very funny for a variety of reasons at the time. This is November 4th, uh, 1993. And the bit was that there's this new place in the neighborhood that Kramer has invested in, and it's a non-fat yogurt place. And the gang loves going there, and they're scarfing down all this yogurt because it's non-fat yogurt. And uh, alongside of this, it's uh, the Dinkins versus, um, uh, who's America's mayor? What's his name? Giuliani. Dinkins versus Giuliani race. And they shot a different ending depending on who won the mayoral contest. But the bit at the time that was so funny was they were in there scarfing down all this yogurt because it was non-fat yogurt. And then Kramer notices that Elaine has gained weight. Kramer notices that Jerry has gained weight and they freak out. I, I, I remember this episode now. So, but see, it's funny for a different reason now. 
So they go to a lab, and I guess it, there was a mistake, and they're mi- mixing it up with the mayoral samples. But how hilarious, how hilarious is it that now, 24 years later, you could look at that scene and go, uh, this isn't funny for the reason it was funny at the time. You're scarfing down so much so much sugar in that yogurt. The fat is not your problem. It's these giant portions of sugary things. And remember how often snack wells, they're sitting around eating snack wells all the time because they're fat free. Oh, that's, the, that's the other the other damage. We really need, speaking of snack wells, we really need to talk about this. The food fads that you say, oh, well, you know, it's not harmful. Eating less sugar is good. Eating less fat, like eating less of anything that we eat too much of. Like, so you're a victim of a fad. Aren't you end up eating more healthier? The real crime is that it takes foods that taste good and it makes them taste bad, right? So I would rather have <laughs> one eighth of a decent cookie than an entire box of snack wells because snack wells taste bad and cookies are not supposed to taste bad. They're supposed to taste good. The trick is don't eat a whole box of them. The trick is eat one or a half or only once in a while. The trick is not let's make cookies taste worse so I can have more of them. That is a truly an American thing. Like the... Uh, and, and your aspect of it is the, the famous onion story, uh, whose headline I can't remember. Uh, people in America still totally not getting it. I'm messing up the headline, but it was one of the lines was like the person who eats uh, bag after bag of uh, fat free potato chips. Right, 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 right. Most Americans are simply not getting it. Like, can, can you make this? Can you make this worse in a way that I can eat ten times as many? Because that'll be good. And it's like, no, I don't want that. It, we're just ruining good foods. And gluten free thing, free things aren't in that category. Some people, some people do need that. But I, for all the people who are who don't need that for any sort of like reason having to do with their digestive system, but just having to do with other parts of their body, like their brain, they are eating worse tasting food. For, for the most part, gluten free options are not good. There are exceptions, but they are rare. Most times, it's like you've got the version, and the, like like the pizza challenge that you missed because you're too busy microwaving your pizza in a different coast. Gluten free pizza, not easy to do well. Chances are, if you get a gluten-free pizza, it will taste like really, really bad pizza. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you watch The Good Place? Yeah, I just started season two. There's such a great line. I didn't want to mangle the quote because it's so great. But there's one point when they're sitting around eating frozen yogurt and they're wondering, you know, why The Good Place has frozen yogurt instead of ice cream. And what is the line from the Ted Danson character? There's something People so, really love frozen yogurt. There's something so human about taking something great and ruining it. <laughs> there's something so human about taking something great and ruining it a little so you can have more of it. Yeah, that's the line I was probably trying to remember and couldn't because I just I just started season two, so that's probably was in the front of my I mind. I like season one better. I've just started two, and I, you know, season one was fun. Like, I, I got overhyped for me, but I watched yeah, it yeah. kind of in, in mid-hype cycle a while ago. Uh, I thought it was cute. Yeah, but it's, it's its own little world, which I like, but I feel really, I don't know, man. I feel really like I'm I'm on a different zeitgeist or something, but I'm not, everybody else seems to adore this season of The Good Place. I do not. And I thought the first episode of The Walking Dead was not good at all. Oh, well, you're on, you're on a common ground there. Lots of people are angry about The Walking Dead. Oh, I thought people, I thought people were like, oh, this is great. It's so nostalgic. It's a return to form. I've I've only seen people complaining. Oh, what was your, without a spoiler, what was your thought? Uh, I I still like the show. I still watch it. I'm glad, I'm glad they're going to have fighty times because that's. But the speeches. What was the, what was the speeches? I think it's fine. Mm. Like, I, you know, I, I, I'll keep, I'll keep watching show, it. Don't get me wrong. It seems like it's winding down with all the flash forwards and uh, or possible flash forwards or fantasy scenes or who knows what's oh, going God. on there. That was not Ugh. well handled. It wasn't a particularly well executed. That's the wiggiest wig. I mean, obviously, the CGI, there will never be anything yeah. worse than the CGI uh-huh. deer. But but that is the wiggiest <laughs> wig I've ever seen in my life. You could see the little rim on it. 
Yeah, and, uh, uh, but beyond that, <laughs> let's talk about the styling choices. Who chooses? Like, he's basically got an old man mullet. Like, it's not, it's not a good look. <laughs> not a good look. At all. Is that a Mark Twain character? Old man mullet, we called him. Mm-hmm. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Enter the offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, at checkout, and that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. What a deal. Team, please make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you're interested in creating an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Ain't got to worry about any of that because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name right inside the Squarespace site. So easy to do. All of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. You probably know by now that I'm a big fan of Squarespace. I have many, many Squarespace sites. Uh, Most in particular, I use it to uh, make the Roderick on the Line podcast. You can find it at roderickontheline.com. And uh, that's just, I make it so simple. You just upload the files. They're hosting it for you. They're sending it out. They're generating the RSS feed. I love how little I have to use this site. I mean that as a huge compliment. I used to be one of those people that had to go make everything themselves and get all the plugins and do that. I'm a 50-year-old man, you guys. I am very happy to let Squarespace take care of that for me. You do not need to be beholden to just the social media sites. Go out and make your own site. Get Squarespace. You go to squarespace.com. And their plans start at a very affordable $12 per month. But you can go and start a trial with no credit card required right now by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, please use the offer code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. It's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. And it will show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. The worst is IBS. I feel really bad for people who have IBS because nobody believes you. I'm afraid to look up what IBS is for fear that I will read it and think that I have it. So I just avoid it. You're probably better off that way. But it's it's very frustrating. It's very debilitating. And it's only extremely recently, I think, because at the time it was a possible um, differential diagnosis for what I was dealing with. And I felt really relieved when it wasn't because no, at the time, nobody took people with IBS seriously. They were thought they were just big, big snowflake babies. It's like, oh, wait, sometimes you poop too much and sometimes you can't poop at all. Like, what's the matter with you? And I think, and why? Because there was not a known etiology. They didn't understand how to detect that people had it. There were not, I believe at the time, 20 years ago, I don't think that there may have been symptoms, but there were not signs. I don't think there were tests that they could give you and say, oh, yeah, you definitely got the IBS. That's that sucks. It just I, I think it's still one of those diagnoses that where if they can't figure out what's wrong with you gastrointestinally, they say like, oh, I guess you have IBS. So it seems like 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 a chronic fatigue syndrome at that, like, that yeah, one like time. one of those umbrella terms for like we don't know what's wrong entirely, so we'll lump you into this giant category of things, and now you're off. Now you're off of the uh, the path of uh, sound medicine and into the realm of ask your favorite aunt. Whereas with Morgulons. You can actually collect, what a lot of people do is they will collect the scales and they will collect the fibers. And, and apparently a lot of them, they keep them in like a little, like a, a soda pop bottle cap. And you take that to the doctor and you say, here's my morgulons. They're caused by chemtrails. 
Oh, is that the blue, t- the turning the blue thing? Did you tell me about that? Morgellons is where you think uh, there's something that's causing fibers and mushrooms to grow on your skin. Joni Mitchell has it. Uh, the don't, don't tell me about that. I don't like that. Go look up Morgellons. There's a really good YouTube video about how Morgellons are caused by chemtrails. Which, mm. uh, well, you know, uh, now again, now they're probably going to find out Morgellons are real and I'm going to feel terrible because as you know, I'm, I'm a big no, Joni Mitchell even, fan. Even if they're real, the number of people who think they have them compared to the number that actually yeah. did will be, but but anyway. Yeah, gluten all over again. Don't worry about it. Well, you're driving this episode. It. Take it wherever you want. I see that you put front matter back into the follow-up section. Oh, I see. You took it out when I put it in because there's a difference. Yeah. It, it, but, all right, explain to me the difference. Oh, God, here's that pride of authorship. If I put stuff in there that was not according to Syracuse follow-up, you'd probably take it out. There are some things, sometimes you have front matter. Follow-up is when you talk about something from a previous you're episode. You're going to mansplain follow-up to me now? Merlin mansplain. Mm-hmm. Let me mm-hmm. just, shh, 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 here's how it works. Follow-up is when you have an update. It could be an update, new information. Maybe you've changed your mind. Often you want to make a correction about something you said on a previous episode. That's what I would call follow-up. Mm-hmm. And then you got what I call front matter. And that's stuff that's not even a mini topic. That's something more like, oh, here's a little bagatelle. Like, oh, please go donate to this. We have a shirt. Uh, this episode is going to be in Swahili. Whatever it is, that's a front matter. Would you rather we break that out into a separate section? You're driving. Uh, that has already been done. Oh, look at that. You took it out. Huh. Okay. Look at that. I took it and I turned it. There you go. Reference um, not so, acknowledged. Yeah, so- I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm broken have, up with you for two minutes. We're broken up. <laughs> you have. You took out you my, took out my shame. front matter. It's a shame because uh, you're the only person I knew in New York. Uh, no, it's a shame because hmm. you what have was the that? first. Was that Harry and Sally? What was that? You got it. I'm so proud really? of you. Really? First try. Wagon wheel coffee table. Where's that's my right. shit? Write your names in all your books. I don't know why that's the one I remember. It's so depressing. <laughs> what was the line? I had it as a Twitter bio for a while. Someone, Someone is... Someone is staring at you in self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie Fisher. Per, in per, personal growth. Personal growth. That's it. Carrie Fisher is very good in that movie. She is. And so is Bruno Kirby. Mm-hmm. Both dead. Holy crap. You just blew my mind. Is Meg Ryan okay? What no. about uh, Tom no, Hanks? No Not Tom to Hanks. Tom Hanks is in the other one. This oh, is, come uh, on. Oh, oh no. Hang on. Sleepless in Seattle. Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones is in that one. Right. Okay. All right. Anyway, you have the first follow-up item. Uh, you wanted to offer some clarification about your television set. Yeah, two bits of uh, follow-up from last time. I uh, just wanted to underscore, I most definitely was incorrect when I told you the model of TV. I know I corrected it by the end, but I still want to uh, get my comeuppance for getting it wrong. Uh, what I have is the OLED 55E7P Smart TV, 55-inch Class 4K uh, UHD OLED. Um, and I went in and, um, uh, 1B, I went in and, uh, ran some comparisons. Uh, I apparently bought the more costly one when I didn't need to, but it does, uh, have a sound bar and a nicer, I guess, case thing. Like, what do you call that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like the, the difference is just in the, you know, what kind of sound stuff you, although I think yours is also different in that you, from, I could tell from your photos does not have uh, an HDMI port on the back. It only has them on the sides. But that's more than we thought. That, that's part B. Part B is I sent you photos. It's the same number, but they're all on the sides. Because oh. if I saw one on the back, you'd be one up. But now they took saying. the one on the back. And, yeah. All right. So I would, and I'm I think it's because, for, like I said, for wall mounting, maybe the fancier one is for wall mounting. Yes. Like they expect people to wall mount it. It's got a sound bar that you would mount under. I don't know. Well, you know, I'm the king of confirmation bias, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, I just love this thing. Boy, everybody in the family loves it. 
it's just all thumbs up. I'm trying to think if there's anything else new about it. We probably I don't know if we need to post those photos. There's nothing very remarkable about them. Oh, you want to post them so people can look at the backgrounds. That's why you oh post my them. God, you're the worst. You are I'm, such a your, bad person. Your wall texture behind the television. What? Don't even look at my wall. Why are you even looking at my wall? That's all anybody looks at in photos. Oh this is why. God, the internet used to be so nice. It's still nice. We're not no. posting them. This is all. It's all between friends. Also, I'm having trouble getting. I think I'm having trouble getting the chroma that people recommend. It's it's kind of confusing. Getting the what now? Well, I need to learn more about when you go into Apple TV and the settings, you can go in and select, do you want 4K? Please don't. Oh, write. the video output. Don't settings, email me. Yeah. Don't email me. It's like yeah. 4K uh, Dolby. It really wants you to do Dolby or like 4K the other one. And when I'm Dolby in the, Vision, you mean? Yeah. When I'm in that one, I don't think I'm getting the Chrome options. Everything looks like a Zack Snyder movie and I don't know how to change it. Yeah, no, I this is the thing that bothers me about Apple TV. Like just just the just the one thing, yeah. Yeah, but many things. But different content requires different playback settings. Yes. Like right? if you're, you know, just even just HDR versus non-HDR. And I don't know how HDR TVs work with respect to like <laughs> they blink. Yeah, if I play they a blink movie a lot. <laughs> if I'm playing a movie with with uh this HDR versus playing one that's not, does the television have to know about that or does it doesn't does it not matter? But certainly for the purposes of frame rate, if I'm playing a 24 frame per second movie versus a 29.97 whatever frame per second uh, television show, the device sending the video has to know that and has to do something different or make sure it's always in a refresh rate that's a multiple of every possible output thing. But like an Apple TV is not that type of box. It lets you pick from this giant menu of right. output options, but I don't want to have to figure out I'm watching this movie, so... What resolution, frame rate, and HDRness do I want to tell the Apple TV to output? I'm like, I don't know, Apple TV. You figure it out. Right. Like, figure out what you're playing and send it to the television in the way that it looks the best. And then it'll be up to television to accept the signal and show it in a nice way. And with Apple TV 4K, I feel like it's putting some of the responsibility on you that you're staring at that stupid menu going, oh, what should I set it to and why is this not working? And it's a, it is a stupid menu. I mean, have you seen it? There's a lot of yeah. options. It's, there's like two there's a lot of options even on my TV. There's two pages of options and it's not clear why or whether you should pick any of them. And yeah, uh, it's it's real weird. And then the other thing, like, just to also verify, I went and double checked this. As far as I know, the artings.com we should put that in notes again because people have been asking. But the artings.com, do you say artings or ratings? What do you say? I'm assuming it's ratings and they couldn't get ratings, so that's why it's artings. But I would just keep saying artings to punish them for having a bad domain name. It's a good, it's a very good website with a silly name. But um, no, I cannot get uh, the expert mode currently on Apple TV. And if I, I wonder if it's because I'm in that 4K Dolby Vision mode. You can't, what do you mean you can't get the extra run? Your television won't let you access that, it's the, not, those picture options? It's so like when you know, so you're not super familiar with this, but like you click to go to the options, you go to the the, the uh, picture area, and then you go in. Usually the first option is the big button at the top is like, you know, do you want cinema home? Do you want vivid? Do you want games, sports or whatever? When you click that on anything but the Apple TV, this is not scientific, but on everything but the Apple TV I've used so far, one of the options is... <sighs> not expert mode. Expert mode is a sub menu. Ad advanced picture. Yeah, or advanced picture. Right. So you can get like, you know, advanced picture, dark room, advanced picture, light room, uh, bright room. And so then you can go through and, you know, <laughs> if you're like me, spend an afternoon doing the exact Artings suggested uh, settings for that just to have a baseline to start with. I don't have an option for that. And I think it might re be related to the Dolby Vision option. 
I'm saying this all phonetically. Uh, yeah. This is a hostage yeah. message. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure about your particular television, but I do know that historically televisions have done stupid things like saying the advanced picture settings are only available on these two HDMI inputs, but not on these other ones. Why? Oh. Because they're dumb. Like these are the, I, you know, you notice one of them only has audio return. That's the HDMI arc one on the back, the one that's labeled with that. Yeah. I'm assuming that's a cost measure because if they, if they did that in all of them, maybe they would cost them more money or whatever. So it's just on the one, right? Hmm. But even like a great example is in the early days of high definition televisions, it was sometimes the case that the only input that would not do mandatory overscan compensation that would essentially not take your HD signal and zoom it by a couple of percent so it chopped off all around the borders, the only input that would not do that is the VGA or PC input, right? And then later in the life of stupid televisions, sometimes when you could change the label of the input, you had to change the label manually to the capital letters P and C on some models of television to make it not do overscan, like because there wasn't a separate setting. What? Right. This is just the, his- the history of dumb decisions. I feel like I saw. I feel like I saw somewhere on our tings that you have to set this device to get this particular set of settings. You have to say that it's a PC. I feel like I did see that somewhere. The, 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 you know, stuff like that. Where like, why shouldn't all these inputs be the same, with the exception of things that cost more money, like audio return or whatever? Right. But but the other ones, surely they're all the same. It's like no, actually, they've decided that these two inputs won't let you pick from anything except for our stupid presets. But these ones would allow the expert mode. And I think they think they're adding value, but hmm. they're just making a worse product, like by artificially limiting. The, it's like software settings, right? So anyway, I don't know your specific television. When I eventually get mine in a couple of years, I'll I'll hack around it. I'm generally, you know, really quite happy with um, with all of it. Oh, the other thing I wanted to add is that, um, yes, the other day my daughter announced that she is way better at the Wiimote-style remote usage than I am. And I agreed. So I've been trying to use that more and I'm finding it very accommodating to go from click, click to swoosh, swoosh. Explain to the people what I just said. What did I just say? What does that mean? So the, the remote the control comes to the television. Remote? Yeah. Uh, you can either use like a little five-way pad where you push a little D-pad or whatever up, down, left, right, and a center button to select. But also there's a mode where there's a cursor on the screen and you tilt the remote and it tells which way you're tilting it, and that sort of drives the cursor around the screen in sort of a slow-motion, molasses-based mouse cursor thing. And your daughter likes that way, and you were liking the clicking, but you're trying to get used to the swooshing. A couple couple recent data points. I remember Gruber telling me a few years ago how crazy it was that his kid, this sounded ludicrous to me at the time, how his son would play a video game while watching a video on an iOS device and listening to music all at the same time. And I had that exact same thing happen the other day. It was totally mind blowing. That's all my, that's all my son does. He doesn't do most of the activities that that he wants to do unless his iPad is next to him playing a video with the headphones plugged into his ear. Like sometimes he'll play games and like, there's good music in this game. Right. Don't listen to whatever the hell you're listening to on your iPad that you're not looking at. Listen to the music to the game. And sometimes he'll grudgingly do it. But yeah, he has to be, and sometimes it's like mindless. He'll spend a lot of time in Minecraft. I'm like, I kind of get that. I kind of get why yeah. you want to listen. But, but the other thing you have to realize is there he uses YouTube as his Spotify, essentially. No, so no, he will I'm, play I'm music getting, I am from t- there. I am totally getting I know. that, yeah. But, but, but there's also the actual video. Like I'm like, oh, maybe he's watching Minecraft videos. Learn how to do Minecraft. Maybe he's not watching. No, you know, just it's just on autoplay. Just playing whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or it's on autoplay. Or it is playing, like, it's videos about Clash of Clans strategies. That he's not looking at while he's playing Minecraft, but they're playing and he's listening to them. That's amazing. 
we had a funny twist tonight because uh, five o'clock is when you can start watching TV. And she done this tiny bit of necessary. This leads to our topic at some point. Um, she was doing some Khan Academy tonight, and she ended up doing like an extra hour of Khan Academy <laughs> ma- um, decibels and um, fractions while like while she was watching The Simpsons. And I was like, you know, you can turn off the Khan Academy. You don't have to keep doing that. She's like, no, I like it. So, yeah, I should oh. get my kids. In gets into that there they they my daughter especially watches educational things so occasionally my son sneaks you said she likes physics girl is that what she likes yeah not just youtube things but but yeah mostly youtube but just in general like when she goes to the library to get books out uh most of the time she'll get out non-fiction books in either equal proportion or even more than the fiction ones you know books about dogs sharks trees like for us, it's know, all any, ancient civilizations. It's all like Incans, Mayans, Greeks. Right, like right. she just the same books stuff. out over and over and over. Well, no, she gets new ones, but like she'll come back if she's interested in sharks. She'll come back with like seven books on sharks, yep. and then yep. read through all of them and be filled with all shark facts, and then go through. So she's got a little bit of my obsessive uh, depth, you know. So I feel like all right, well, it's cool to learn about sharks, but you know, fractions are coming up, and maybe check those out. But I, you know, finding. Finding the YouTube video that makes that interesting. Like, I will watch videos with her occasionally. You know, we wander too far into the physics ones where they start, like, not being, and en- you know, whatever the ratio is of entertainment to physics right. uh, knowledge. It becomes too much like the ratio. The ratio goes off a little bit. And yeah. No, no, the opposite. The ratio goes off where she's not being entertained enough to balance out for the education that she's getting. And she's like, oh, now this is boring, right? We have, we've um, we've got a bunch. We like, I mean, we watch Number File. Uh, we watch... Um, she really likes the TED Ed animations. Have you watched those? I've probably seen a few of them. The TED Talks people do these really, I think, I think very good um, animations. A lot about history. Um, Have you seen the extra credits uh, history ones? No, tell me about it. I'll, I will definitely people. check it out. Um, so this is a, a series that I first became familiar with because it was like they were talking about game design, like video game design, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a series called Extra Credits. And, and, you know, there's a particular animation style of these people with like floating heads over bodies with no arms and, and, and floating heads. Oh, this looks hands. really cute. But they have history things now. We saw one on Catherine the Great, which I think we started watching because it was her name. And, you know, and, and they're very long series, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten episode things in a lot of detail. But they make the history interesting. Because most history is interesting. You know, it's, it's yeah. intrigue and, and marriage and conquests and you know syphilis and like you know it's all all sorts of good stuff we saw one about um, how uh how the war of the roses is uh was part of the inspiration for game of thrones and they would show throw the little characters up on screen to show how this is like cersei that stuff is yeah. fascinating but i mean no but the ones she's watching i've been amazed are just straight up history no allusions to pop culture just just like history class like in incredible depth like not just like, oh, Catherine Great was this person blah blah he's a five minute video no how a lot 20 videos each of which is 20 minutes long and, uh, you know, wow. I'm watching them. I'm learning stuff because I, I never learned any of this stuff in school because you never go into this depth. Nope. And she watches them because they're, you know, they're they have high entertainment value, but it's all it's all real stuff. It's all facts. No, no fiction at all. So those are kind of fun, but it really depends on the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we haven't watched any of them like topics that I think will be too grim. Like I think it's one in the Black Plague or whatever. It's like maybe maybe you skip them. But Catherine the Great was worked out pretty well. Yeah, because they didn't address the myth. Mm-hmm. What myth is that? Oh, I don't know the Catherine Great myth. Maybe they talked about it in the series. I've already forgotten it. Well, you'd remember. I'm adding uh, Ted Ed Talks to Notes, and the video that I was talking about is called The Wars That Inspired Game of Thrones. And yours was also, it's also in notes. Is it called Extra History? What is it actually called? Yeah, it's called Extra History. Uh, it's, it's called, 
one. See, I lost it now. Extra credits is about uh, video yeah, games. Just, just, yeah, extra history. The Punic Wars. Okay. Part one. How many, how many parts of the Punic Wars do they have? I don't know. Oh, yeah, this yeah. looks great. The Byzantine Empire. Mm-hmm. Europe, the First Crusade. Let's just... Do you listen? A have I already have I already recommended uh, no such thing as a fish to you? The podcast. I believe you have. Okay, I'm and gonna I put that in notes too. Li- I believe I have not listened to it. You don't listen to podcasts. You don't listen to podcasts. No such thing. I just added that Amy Man episode, which talks about uh, what is it? Depression and other hilarious things, or something like that. Is depression funny? I don't know. That's the name of the podcast. That's how every episode starts. John Moe says the person he's interviewing says is depression funny, and the person has an answer, and they go dun dun. They play that nice. Uh, uh, Brett, what's his name song about Pagliacci? It's a very, very good show. The one with the guy from Chappelle show who has a Netflix special with the three mics. What is his name? Three microphones. It's a very good series, John. You should listen to it. Oh, I did download that one episode. So Neil I Brennan is who I was thinking of. Neil Brennan. No such thing as a fish. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the dream Wi-Fi setup of fast, reliable connection throughout your house and even in the backyard. Now is the best time to get on board with Eero as they've just released their super slick second-generation devices. Eero have now introduced their tri-band second-generation model along with Eero Beacon, allowing you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home. This new second-generation Eero includes a third 5 gigahertz radio, making it twice as fast as before, and this lets you do more than ever. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It's really true. Your Eero unit sits flat on any surface. Just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter, and you're ready to connect your Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. The new Eero also includes a new thread radio, which lets you connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, and more. And Eero are introducing the new Eero Beacon as well. I love this thing. We have these and they're just great. All you got to do is just plug it into a wall. You can expand coverage into any room and you can add as many Eero Beacons as you want as long as you have uh, that one Eero device to connect them up to. It's amazing. It even includes a built-in LED nightlight with an ambient light sensor. I have these and I promise you they work. The Eero app, so amazing, lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You can easily create and share a guest network and the Eero customer support is just amazing. You can call and get hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds. Uh, they sent me one of these things, and I love it. I would buy this with my own money all over again. We've got one of those old houses where there's just usually dead spots that don't go anywhere. With this thing, boy, we're getting, we're getting pure, delicious blankets of Wi-Fi in every room of the house. It is truly amazing. It's been a, it's been a game changer for us. This new Eero system starts at $399 for one second-generation Eero plus two beacons. That's the dinguses you plug into your outlets. That's everything you need to get started. Listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada when you head to Eero.com and use the promo code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. You go to Eero.com, promo code DIFFS. You're going to get free overnight shipping. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Hi, Oh my goodness! What? Some so something in some background tab because of some misclick started playing audio. Mm-hmm. I don't have surround headphones, but it sounded like the noise was coming from behind me. And I turned around; there's nothing there. And then I heard a little bit more. I'm like, 
Is that Merlin's train going by? What no. was it? What was it? It was audio from the background tab playing at a very low volume. Very creepy. What was it? Oh, I don't know. Just some YouTube clip. Because I was on like the extra history thing, and I think one of them started playing, or I misclicked or something. Oh, you were just researching hentai. Let's mm-hmm. see. Took mm-hmm. my sleeping pills. I can click that. Okay. Uh, what happened to... All right, here we are. So mm-hmm. we've cleared follow-up. Uh, we have no front matter for today. And now I think this is going to be an all-mini topic episode. Yes. Because based on the time based on the time remaining, yes. we'll have time to address a few of these. We got some good ones. I think the kid... Yeah. You know what? You're driving. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you can't speak. Does it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this top... This first one should be short. I think <laughs> we've covered this one. before. This is a good one. Uh, uh, so we're going to talk about misheard lyrics, and only because you started this. You do uh, that because we you were do that. We were, we were in an iMessage conversation, and I don't even remember what in response to what you threw out something that I recognized as a familiar lyric, but changed in some way. And right, let me I, find the I let it. I let it stew for a little bit, but then I had realized: Are you making a joke, pretending that the line in this well-known song is like this, or are you serious? that you think the line is like this. I sent you a screen grab of what I consider the fairly high volume of email that we get from uh, yeah, school. from your school. Yes, which is a topic. And what I said to you was, in a reference I was sure, may I say? May I say what I said? Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I threw a reference that I knew you would know. Uh, I said sacks and stacks of letters. And it's a screen grab of a full screen of Gmail from the last week or two. And you re- you retorted. Yeah, and I... So you, are you, said, you trying isn't it, isn't to tell it? me that you think... <laughs> Go ahead, you can... You said, isn't it sacks and sacks? And I said... And then I responded by saying, fight and bite and fight. <laughs> right, and then you threw another one back, and I can't. I couldn't tell if you, you were, were like, like... You were overwhelmed. <laughs> like, controlling by intentionally getting a lyric wrong, right? Right. Like the, the Star Trek shirts with the Star Wars characters on them or whatever. Or you were serious that you thought that's what the lyrics were. Because mm-hmm. I was and remain fairly convinced that the David Letterman song, when they get letters, is sacks, as in a big bag that you put stuff in. Letters, and, we get letters. And same word. We get sacks, sacks and, and sacks, sacks of, of letters. No stacks. There are no piles of letters where one is on top of each other. They're all in a sack. The funny part of the song is sacks and sacks. I remember it as letters, we get letters, we get sacks and stacks of letters is right. what so I So I'm going to say it. And my whole life, I'm I'm hearing that song, and I'm saying this is what this is how Miss Harvard lyrics work. Of course, uh-huh. you hear it one way, and, and then you round, keep repeating it, it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I never heard T. I have not gone back to the videotape to listen to see if I can hear the T. I'm a little bit afraid to. You tried to find some internet sleuthing to say here's the lyrics to the song. We're not well, but no. Let let let's get to the, let's get to the core of the confusion, which is when I hit back because this is what we do. We're fast punchers. We punch back. I said fight and bite and fight, which I hear as the lyrics to. The itchy and scratchy song. They fight and bite. They fight and bite and fight. Fight, 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 bite, bite, bite. The itchy and scratchy show. And now, mm-hmm. now at this point, I, you got to feel like you're being full on gaslit. Yep, hundred percent. Because the itchy and scratchy song, as far as I'm concerned, and again, part of the reason it's funny, yeah, like sacks and sacks of and letters, stupid, yeah, is that it's fight the whole time. F I G H T. They fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. They fight, 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 fight. That's there is no biting. It's no. just all fight. Mm, thank you and for that's the what i've heard my entire <laughs> life for itchy and scratchy just fighting now it sounds like bite right but it's one of those mr lyric things so to to settle this <laughs> i i don't know i mean we stop what I we're said, doing and start googling 
Yeah, well, see, the problem with Googling, as we've previously I know, established, with lyric, with lyrics, every lyrics, lyrics website in particular, on the internet yes, is wrong. Yes. Yeah. The lyrics websites are wrong on the internet. All of them. All of them are wrong, except for mine, which is now, now defunct. Mine mm-hmm. was right. But all the other ones are wrong. So that doesn't help. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you can just listen to the song with a different mindset and you can hear the you can hear the B in the bite, you can hear the T in the stacks, and you'd be like, oh, my whole life I've been misled. It actually was stacks and bite and so on and so forth. That works with a lot of lyrics, especially commonly misheard ones. Once you know the real lyric and listen for it, you can be convinced pretty quickly by yourself to say, Oh, you're right. They've always been saying whatever they've been saying, and I've been saying it wrong in my own head. Um, but I haven't done that with either of these. Have you have you gone back to some Letterman show stuff and some itchy and scratchy and listened? Um I spent uh ten minutes on this and I have it scored fifteen all. Um at first I was utterly convinced that I was right on both, which I'm usually not. I felt very confident about fight and bite and slightly less confident about sacks and stacks. So I would like you to go and do your due diligence, but I'm scoring it based on what I can discover. I believe it is the, so 15 for me is fight and bite and 15 for you is, I believe it is. I went back and listened to it uh, in a couple versions. You tell me I do hear sacks and sacks, which is not as good of a lyric as sacks and stacks. No, sacks and sacks of letters. It's, no, it's funnier to repeat the... sacks. It's sacks and sacks of letters. John Anderson, Syracuse, you go and look. You go back and you look at that Santa Claus movie with Natalie Wood in it. When they come in, what do they got? They got bags. And when they pour out the letters from the bags, what comes out of the bags? Big piles. Those aren't stacks. That's a pile. You that's that's a, pile. a pile. We know that's a pile. I know what a stack is. You Don't think tell they me need yet. to be bundled? They need to be bundled to be a stack? Don't 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 pile on my leg and tell me it's stacking. That's that's not a pot. That's not a stack of letters. What are you, Judge Judy? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, I think sax and sax is a better lyrics. I'm pretty sure. Fight and bite is gonna blow my mind if I go listen to that and they're saying bite. Okay, because that's that just seems like a a slam dunk. So can we agree? Let's let's we understand this is Google and we're gonna get different results. I I suggest we do itchy, scratchy song lyrics is what i'm trying no no, no no the lyric sites are useless we need mac graining to write into the show okay. or i need to go listen to a video which i will do in time for the next show not right now mm. i don't want to go in real time and listen to youtube videos oh, that's, that's real then. handy that's super super yeah. handy that, I'm, i'll be honest about what i think it is you, sure. so you come down you think you think it's sax and you think it's bite i'm on the internet science page uh, in this case the wikia page for itchy and scratchy theme song they fight they bite they bite and yeah, fight I, I, and bite. I, I understand you can find this text on the internet. You can find any text. On fight, the fight, Just, fight, okay. bite, bite, bite. The itchy and scratchy show. Yeah, that's a, that's terrible. Anyway, uh, if you, send me a clip. Send me send me a YouTube oh, thing. Wait, and you I will you can't switch right your computer. You what, what what am I? Your mom? Because I just don't. I I just just send it to me. <sighs> okay, I'm sure so you found one. I'm going to YouTube and I'm clicking. So uh, you not... don't already have one up. I mean, I can type it myself. I thought you were looking at one already. No, I'm recording a podcast. Mm-hmm. Itchy and scratchy compilation. <laughs> He's on a very fixed window size. <laughs> she can't afford it. <laughs> She's on a very fixed income. And he says it twice. That's what makes it funny. Uh, itchy and scratchy show all episodes. I don't understand what gets to stay up on YouTube. I honestly do not understand it. I just want the song. I've got it. All right. Let me, let me listen here.
can mostly hear the B. It might be suggestion, but I'm willing to believe it. Yeah. Because with that in mind, and I listen, I can hear the B. But boy, f- just repeating fight constantly is so much better. Earlier. You think so? Yeah. I have to say, um, I was well and truly a mega super fan of this show. This and Seinfeld and Mr. Show later on. My, my favorite shows of the 90s. Like I loved The Simpsons. I taped every single one of them. I watched them over and over and over. I don't think I heard the B maybe until I moved to California. It was definitely at least five years, maybe 10 years into the show. But I mean, there is, there is the possibility of some uh, suggestibility here that if you tell me there's a B and I listen for it, that I can hear it. Oh, and I do, mm-hmm. but you know, that is possible. Anyway, you got an explanation, but you got a psychological explanation for what I'm causing oh, you to you hear. Know, it's, Mm-hmm. I, it's, you you want the slam dunk. You want like the arrival slam dunk where the guy who wrote the movie writes a thing and explicitly <laughs> says direct quote. <laughs> like that's what you're looking for. Like that's the that's the I hate to cite Woody Allen, but that's the boy. Wow, wouldn't be great if life wow, would really like this. Problematic, John. My goodness. I know, but you know, like you know that scene is that was that any hall? What are you talking about with Marshall McLuhan? Yeah, yeah. You know nothing of my work, and, and he turns to the camera and says, "Boy, wouldn't it be great if life is really like this?" Well, thanks um, to the internet, life can occasionally be really like that, where you have a debate. Turns to him and says, "You know nothing, John Snow. You know they're married in real life. Did you know that?" Uh, John Snow and and, and uh, Daenerys. Uh, no, not Daenerys. No. Uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Kylie. Uh, 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 Poe Dameron. What's her name? You know the uh, the Poe Dameron. What's her name? The wildling woman. The cute, the cute red-haired girl. Oh, oh, the uh, yes, the arrow shooting lady. The married married to John Snow. They're married really? in real life. Married to Kit Harrington. I don't know her oh. name. Oh, Kit Harrington really? wife. Kit Harrington sounds like an American girl doll to me. I don't know any of the actors' names. What are the names of the Most actors? of them are English, just so you know. Her name is Rose yeah, Leslie. Her name is Rose Leslie. She's right. a Scot. And yeah, the name of her character that. is Egret. Yeah. So do we agree provisionally it's uh, 15 all? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll go with that. But uh, I'm, you've, you, this is not like you've you've crushed a part of my uh, my memories, but now like now that, I'll forever childhood, know. John. Yeah, you just want to use exactly what you did. I, I won't. I won't be able to. So this goes. This is a thread, a meme that goes around on Twitter every once in a while, like realizing things much later in life than you think you should have. Maybe oh, the bite yes. one. I mean, you already you already said that you had you had seen it uh, for a long time Five and then to ten uh, heard years. the bee. Mm-hmm. And now you're bringing now you're bringing me down. Oh my god! This that. is what it's like when you show people dents on things. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, uh, but no, man. but this is more like like uh, the silly thing is like I should have known that for mm. for such a long time. I didn't realize that, and it's a dumb thing that everyone else realized, but I didn't realize. I pull you I back have in. one of those, but before I offer mine, which I think I've told you before. Okay. Do you have any that, that spring to mind? God. Things that the whole rest of the world realized that you didn't that you learned like way late in life, like in your thirties or forties, that most people learn when they were seven. I can de-abstract this into specifics, but along the lines of the excuse me while I kiss this guy. I grew up watching a lot of like UHF TV as a kid. And if you watched a lot of UHF TV in the 70s and 80s, you saw a ton of ads for compilations. Not necessarily Time Life, not necessarily KTEL, but there would frequently be these like the best of CCR and all the titles would scroll by on the screen. And there'd be all these songs. My first exposure to many, many songs, including many CCR songs, was this one best of CCR that would be on all the time. And I would hear usually the, the the titular line from the song. You know what I'm talking about? It scrolls by on the screen. And like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know this ads very well. Yellow text usually, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Scrolling like bottom to top. And like you would hear every fifth song 
they, they'd show the songs and like every mm-hmm, fifth song or so mm-hmm. would be in a different They'd color. Be highlighted. Highlighted. Yeah. And that was the song that they're playing. I can't think of specific examples, but I know between CCR, The Stones, and Slim Whitman, there are many songs that I learned incorrectly because it got like pounded into my head from repetition in hearing them. You know, especially when it didn't like, you know, match the title of the song, you know? But that was, that was one where like, if, I feel like it was years of like, unwinding these the skein of confusion of things that I had learned completely wrong in tiny bits. What is yours? That's not a very good one. You barely, you didn't even cite a specific example. All you right, just said I'll you got with, some songs. I'll come up with a specific wrong. one. I'll work on right, it. So there's, there's one that's going on the internet uh, that it's like one of these stories that, you know, it's probably just made up, but people pass around because it sounds funny, right? Um, and it was about a, a story, always in first person because, you know, as Jerry Seinfeld said, the jokes. Was it Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, jokes sound better when they're in first person. Mm-hmm. He had a bit about that. Anyway, some person uh, supposedly recounting is a dude, and so there's like an angle of like uh, men are dumb in this. Talking about getting a toilet like at Home Depot with somebody, and the Home Depot salesperson trying to make uh, you know a sexist small talk as you do, saying like, "Boy, wouldn't it be great if there was a model that automatically put the seat down or some some joke to that effect?" Mm-hmm. And the customer said. Uh, you know, well, wouldn't it be great if I lived alone? Then I wouldn't need a seat at all. And the salesperson looked at him funny and he sort of back solved. And with some awkward discussion or possibly just self-reflection, he eventually came to the realization, this grown adult, that the rest of the men on the planet or in, in the country, when they take a dump, they put the seat down and sit on that part. Right. Whereas for his entire life, when he took a dump, he had been putting both the lid and the seat up. And he thought, and here's the the, nightmare, John. That's I (laughs) I sit up at night thinking about, am I wiping wrong? That is the ultimate wiping wrong. This is is a great, this is a great fodder for, uh, for, uh, your, your poop show, uh, do by Friday. So you need to bring this over. He's probably, he's probably a proud boy. Yeah. That's probably, you know, it's, it's, it's apocryphal, I'm sure. But anyway, yeah. the, the other twist, like the sort of the twist that makes it real is like the answer, the the people saying this sounds like a dumb story can't possibly be real. So the thing you add in there to like a preemptively address that with this, this tidbit, he said, of course, I'd always gone into public restrooms, men's rooms and seen that they have both a lid and a seat or maybe just a seat. You know, the public rooms just have the seat. He said, but I always figured that was just for uniformity. That they just made one kind of toilet because of economics. And so. Of course, men don't need that, but they buy the men's and women's toilets the same. And so that's why the men's things are there. This is a great story because it, it lets you, and this is supposedly a grown person, because it, it it conjures in your mind the vision of an adult man sitting directly on public toilet seats to make <laughs> oh like a Oh, my God. Well, what it conjures in my mind is you, I know that there's six things like that in my life that I just don't even know about yet. I remember um, yeah. I started going out with a girl in college, two girlfriends after my primary main girlfriend in high school. And she's like, you're going out with her? You know, in eighth grade, she would wear her panties over her pantyhose. And this was the funniest. This My, my poor second girlfriend uh, got so much jazz all through junior high and high school because one time, she's like, snot boogie. One, one time, she didn't know the underwear was supposed to be under the pantyhose. And she got, she got laughed, laughed at all the time about that. Now, who's supposed to teach that? They're that's, not going to teach you that, that in that schools. Sounds, that sounds pretty terrible. That's well, it happens. Stuff. Yeah. You know, he's out there rolling bones. You know, one day you forget to wear a jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my my thing that I think I brought up before, I think it's probably, I mean, aside from misheard lyrics and everything, which is a minor category of this, 
this is one that I, I throw out there. I threw it out on Twitter recently. I throw it out there because I feel like it's a public service. Okay. Like if you thought there were other people who were sitting directly on the toilet seat, you would you'd be throwing this out there to make sure that other people, uh, even though that one is almost certainly made up. This one is not made up. This is real from me. This is a real thing. Sometime, not too many years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, a short time ago, I didn't realize I had to have told to me by not directly, but indirectly information on the internet brought this to my attention. And I realized that I had, it, this had never occurred to me before. And this realization, and I, I really hope I, I, the other reason I spread this out there is because I'm hoping it's not just me. I'm hoping I'm not the only dumbest person in the entire world and that other people will benefit from this, but it could be that I'm the only one. And every time I say this, I'm just reinforcing my own stupidity and obliviousness. And that is that the band name, the Beatles is a music pun because music has a beat. That's why it's spelled differently than the insect. B-E-A-T-L-E-S. The Beatles. Music has a beat. Beatles is a music pun. Mm-hmm. Never in my entire life, all the way into adulthood, up until only a short number of years ago, did it ever occur to me that the intentional misspelling of Beatles, which I recognized, I said, that's not how you spell Beatles, but, you know, they spell it differently. It's the band name. Never did I make the connection to music has a beat. Never. Mm-hmm. And Beatles is not an obscure band. Never. And it's not a band that I've never thought about or had occasion to read or think about. But nowhere in all of the literature that I had ever read did anyone tell me this. And I guess it's just an obvious thing that everyone should know because like, duh, look at the word, right? But I had never thought about it until I was an adult. So now I, as a as a public service slash desperate hope that I'm not the only one, every chance I get, I will throw out, you know, Beatles as a music pun. It's your albatross. Also, they were uh, big fans, the story goes, they were big fans of Buddy Holly and the Crickets. So they started out wanting, thinking like, oh, we should have a, a funny insect name for the band. And I, I don't know if it was Brian, but somebody uh, came up with that idea of like beat instead of B-E-A instead of B-E-E. Oh, I've, I've got many that are so much worse than that. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward pun. More than the Beatles. Like it, it you know, never occurred to me. If, you, never, if I said you had, heard. if I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? Yeah, I, I, I was in college, you, I've John. I've heard you say that one before. I was in college. But how many times? You don't hear that when you're in elementary school. I, I knew heard the name that song of the dozens and dozens school. of times in junior high. Mm, that's just like a joke you didn't get, though. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm having trouble accessing um, any really good ones right now. But I've had, I mean, I am really famous for this. I mean, uh, so like a visual example, the Arrow and the FedEx logo. That's a, mm-hmm. a kind of a famous visual example. I, I am famous in my own mind for being terrible about missing what puns or double entendres or let's put it this way. I mean, you know, there's that, we talked about the, uh, the old lady in the duck or whatever, that whole idea of uh, positive and negative space. I'm, I'm so um, unhappily uncomfortably left-brained in so many ways. I know I'm not a very rational person, but I'm very left-brained in a lot of ways. If you ever saw- I can't keep track of which one is the left brain. Left brain means you think with your right hand. <laughs> no, that means, yeah. Remember, just remember drawing on the right side of the brain. Right? Uh, left that brain- is, That's not a good mnemonic. How is that a good mnemonic? <laughs> the story goes that the hemisphere on the opposite side uh, has to do with your, you know what? I don't want to get into pseudoscience. My problem is I am very good or- I'm I'm like, I'm normal good at seeing, oh, that's definitely an image of an old lady. That's definitely the words FedEx. That's someone saying, 
oh, if I come on to you and if I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold that against me? Would you think that was a bad thing that I was doing? I'm very... You, you want to take it at face value. Face value or like that That seemed like, that seems clever enough for a country song. I don't see the negative or the the kind of the black to that white. Like I, I, I'm the kind of person who would very easily miss the arrow in life. Yeah, but uh, by the way, in the interest of uh, of our fight and bite discussion, I do want to clarify that the optical illusion is not the old lady and the duck. It's duck rabbit and old lady. I forget what the old lady, the, the old lady counterpart. Old is, lady, young there lady. Is no, is it old lady, young lady? Old yeah. lady, young anyway. lady. Yeah, yeah, and duck or rabbit. Yeah. So I just wanted to make it clear to the audience so they don't. So a, so they don't get corrections, and b, like fight and bite. <sighs> John, don't like, explain jokes. I, it sickens me. I, it's. I feel like we have to with fight no. and bite in this episode because of the context and uh, and explaining jokes is what I do. <laughs> oh, I see your problem. That's that's too obscure. Not enough for you to hang your hat on, but we've discussed it before. Kids in the Hall, uh, who's on first skit? One of my favorites. Oh, I should remember that because I love Kids in the Hall. Yeah, kids in the Hall, he's got he's they're trying to do the who's on first, but he's got a straight man who is actually <laughs> Dave Foley is a straight man, and they get two sentences. He's he goes, to oh, I see your problem. He, he, he explained, yeah, yeah, I see how you're confused, right? That's the skit. That's me. I had the titular line in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know, that's in um, what was I watching? You know, the first episode of Upright Citizens Brigade has a lot of very good stuff in it. It's got the Unabomber. It's got the Bucket of Truth. It's got Amy Poehler as the Girl Scout. It's got the cop, mm. the cop who uh, who misses his wife, and uh, oh, it's so good. I get that confused with the state sometimes. Mm, yeah, I confuse the well. I confuse that with the state sometimes, and I confuse the state with Exit Fifty Seven all the time. But 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 all of those things, I feel like I I don't know the timelines, but I experience Kids in the Hall first, and everything else is like this isn't on, on uh, Comedy Central. Yeah, I don't even know. I think some of the state was on MTV. Uh, Operate Citizens yeah, yeah, yeah. was but that I mean, MTV like, or yeah, comedy. I, I'm back solving because I know you're a Dr. Katz but, fan. Yeah, kids, kids, in the, kids in the Hall was HBO, right? Right. Or but I feel like I feel like there was when I first got Comedy Central. I remember first being excited that it had MST3K, but then mm-hmm. uh, there was a huge marketing push. Must have been probably ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, when they were introducing Dr. Katz. Yeah, maybe a little later because they were also introducing South Park, so that would be '97. But I remember them really pushing Dr. Katz and watching it and loving it. And I think that was around the time they had reruns on, but I could be wrong. Kids in the Hall is a very good show and it's very gentle. Yeah, I still so many of those skits stick in my mind. They aren't they? Aren't you go back and look at them? They aren't as funny as you remember them being. No. But to spontaneously come upon this strange Canadian thing. On your, you know, newly acquired pay cable or so illegal weird. cable box. Yeah. It was, it, is, it has that thing you've talked about before, like the sense of discovery, like yes. that it's more special because you just stumble upon it. And it is, and it is different. Like it's different in the same way Monty Python is different. When you first right. encounter Monty Python, you're like, this is different than the it's, comedy I'm is, used to. It, and it's it really weird. weird. It is weird, but tonally different in a, in a way that is not the usual weird. Yeah. And kids I have a positive like attitude about menstruation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, the ones that stick in my mind are the episodes that, that they're not funny like if you show them to people like they're, they well, won't some of them laugh are just but da-da. I still die they're really da-da like the whole thing with like did you remember to bring back my videotape remember that slipped my mind yeah yeah. <laughs> Let me. but I'll tell you what <laughs> that also it doesn't hurt that that cast was so awfully gifted at committing to their particular kinds of characters 
Yeah, I just put two links in there. I put in the who's on first one. And I put another episode that is not actually funny, but that still kills me and sticks in my mind. And that I think that I think to myself, the moon one. So oh, I don't the second that. one. Okay, I'll check it out. It is a as far as I it is basically a one joke skit, which sometimes you watch SNL and you wish they would do a one joke skit. Right. Like there is uh there it's not that it's like there's a one like the SNL thing is like there's one joke and it's how funny the premise is and they hammer it into the ground. This is like setup and delivery of a single joke extended way too long. There's a couple of little embedded B plot jokes. Anyway, don't don't watch now, it's too okay, long. But uh, we'll put these in put these in the show notes for people to enjoy some kids in the hall and see what we had for comedy. I showed my daughter uh, S1E1 of Dr. Katz and she loved it. Uh, it. How can you not love it? I, I think Dr. Katz is probably pro- probably more age appropriate than most of the things you're showing. Thank you. Honestly. Um, also, except, you know, except, for, except for the hunchback bit when they get to that one. She's not you, a the, what the, Right. The, you realize what the, the second little uh, riff in that same bit is, is uh, I wish I could remember this word for it, but uh, you know, they, they do the hunchback gag and I think either before or after, maybe they're talking about a different person. They see that the uh, the women the women are shopping their daughters to this man, to the, the male comedian. Like, oh, and so they, and, he, and the comedian says, so they start on the hard sell. Say, so, uh, she she may not be much to look at, but she'll bop on your schmeckle boy. <laughs> we watched the first one, and it's got the the line I'm always repeating. The, the ones I loved on there. That's where I came to love Ray Romano. As far as I'm concerned, Ray Romano will never top what he did on that show. He was absolutely funny. Other ones, uh, Barry Sobel and Don Marrera. Like what they would uh, do. Dom, or, Don Marrera. So uh, but good. Don Marrera's in the first one. <laughs> He's in the one. I just want, just want to lay on you. Just want, just, just mm-hmm. two men who are so so confident in their sex. They just, they just ride each other around. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there probably maybe is more than that. You have to explain to your daughter what uh, bop on your schmeckle means. But nah, That's all right. Yeah, that's that's. I don't like the heavy cat sauces. <laughs> you know what? You know what's You know what? The, you know what nuns don't like? They don't like being called my man. Sister, my man, my, 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 my man, my sister. Here's <laughs> <laughs> the, the genius of that show. Aside from, aside from making it like a lot of these comedians, the cutting had away, the cutting away, uh, yeah. like you know, years before Family Guy would ruin that. The cutting away to what is happening in this flight of fancy as Doctor Cass just stares and writes in his pad. And, and also that these these comedians had acts that were pretty polished yeah. uh, and had been on the road for a while and that they got to say three jokes from their 15 minute set. Right. And they didn't get to pick them. My impression like they would pare down to like you just did 10 minutes. Yeah. You're going to get 30 seconds this episode and there's going to be a slight piano break in between where we show a squiggly picture of cat. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was it was, it, it was so optimized for that because there was so much filler on that show. Outside, you know, <laughs> yep. exterior of the building, exterior of their house, like. But, and but, just be... but I think that that filler worked in the same oh, way. I did, mean, yeah. it works on and it's it works in the podcast format. I don't know if NPR did it first, but they had it in all things, starting with even uh, you know, uh, you look nice today, all the way up to all the modern shows that do the same things. Yeah. And uh, you look nice today. Probably picked it up from NPR, which does the same thing. I think that's not filler. I think that is an important, like palate cleanser and uh right uh the npr technique to emphasize to like if you didn't put in a music break at that point people wouldn't have time to think about how funny the last thing that was said was right and it makes it more funny and ironically enough i've said this before but i still really believe this like whenever i didn't realize until we've done it for probably a couple years probably that in my head when i visualized you look nice today 
uh, I visualized it as squiggle vision. Like if there was ever, and it wasn't, it wasn't just a way of saying like, I wish someone would do this, although I wish someone would. But in my mm-hmm. head, when I imagined you look nice today, when we go off into a bit about like your car being made out of saxophones or whatever, and right, like right. playing Careless Whisper, I always imagined that there was, the way I would describe it to people was, imagine uh, a meeting that was called and the three least important people to the project showed up and nobody else did. And they were trying to kill time before somebody else got there. So I imagine the three of us at a very, very small table shot in squiggle vision with like cutting away to flights of fancy. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's part of the reason I think the Tony Oker, uh, flop house videos are good because oh, those are so good. The, I love the way they, he does the, the eyes. The <laughs> yeah. The host will be telling a story and he will have the cutaway to, to the ridiculous things. Yes. Uh, and also speaking of people showing up for the meeting, I think I'm sure I showed you this back in the day, but it's a good time to replug it and Dan, relink it. Dan uh, stands Dan videos. not 9am yeah. 9 meeting. Yeah. Which yeah. is not squiggle vision. That I, now that you said that and put it in my head, I'm, I'm envisioning it in squiggle vision. I think it was just straight up drawing, but you know, and I think that that, that had cutaways too, right? I think so, but it's it's funny. Like I, I really like this thing. I mean, one of my favorite kinds of fan art, or I hate that phrase, fan is such a dumb word, but like I really appreciate the like, Tony Oker is his name. I love oh, I love his animations. And lots of people do um just animatics for my bim bam bits, where they'll do just like a one or two minute segment as animatics, not fully animated, but it totally works because they've utterly captured what the three brothers look like and sound like, like what you know and just you know very characterized it's i think it's that's such a furtive ground for creativity i think like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to look like pixar but if you can like even just slightly visualize this thing that you're hearing it makes it so the whole like the rambo or the um stallone tangent <laughs> you know you know what i'm talking about you've mm-hmm. seen that one right yep oh yep. god <laughs> Jeff, oh, I, it's a i've, I've uh i've broken the seal on mabim bam which I like to think is something that everybody calls the show, but it occurs to me that it could be something of your own invention. No, it's, I'm sorry. It's dumb. My brother, my brother and me, which I avoided listening know, to know, for many years. Right. But is, but did you come up with my bim bam or is that a thing that people call? No, it's their thing. All right. Anyway, uh, I had, Yo, uh, I don't, like don't, don't, don't tell not, me if it's bad. Please don't tell me if it's bad. No, I, I had not heard any of this, not because I've been avoiding, I don't listen to comedy podcasts, but because I hate comedy your, podcasts. I hate them. Because of your insistence, I, I listened to an episode. I listened to one of your one, one episode that you recommended somewhere, probably in Dubai. Sauce right. Doctor's Blessing. Yes. <laughs> oh God! John Lasseter drives away in the bumper car he's been sitting in the whole time. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you get over here and you lick this up with your dog tongue? All right. So first, okay, they're funny. All right, they're, they're, uh... they're funny, right? Um. <sighs> And I said, so I listened to the comedy podcast. I, I wasn't sure I was going to listen to more of them. You got to get I into their I, style. Their style I, I, is I, I get their thing style is. And their style is funny. But here, here's, here's my, like, I probably won't listen to more of them. Not because they're not funny, but because <sighs> what I found myself thinking while I was listening to them, this is just some, like, the Flophouse brand of comedy, like, or the, the Bim Bam brand of comedy. And I know this is going to sound weird, or maybe it won't. It didn't seem nerdy enough to me. Like, it's plenty really? nerdy. The video right? game but jokes wa- aren't nerdy enough? It wasn't nerdy enough. Oh, I wish you'd, oh, I wish you'd listen a little more. I felt like it was kind of mainstreamy, and which is not a bad thing, but like, as compared to the Flophouse. It, it, well, it, like, like a lot of these, it got pilot, polished, but I'll be arrogant enough to say, I think it's You Look Nice Today on Difficult Mode. Like, what those guys managed to do with turning the mispronunciation of a word or just like some kind of incredibly random snippet of a concept 
everybody agreeing to it and running with it, it just, it slays me. It's my favorite podcast. But here's the thing. There's more garbage in the flop house, but there are more gems and more like their 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 view on life and their nerdiness and their interest more aligned with what I'm doing. Whereas I I hear a little no, bit. Of the I get polish. that. I can Honestly, get that. Yeah. I I I think uh, you look nice today was more to my taste. I first of all I think you look nice today was just as funny if not funnier than that one episode I listened to uh, of my brother and brother, which again was funny. Sauce Doctor's blessing was good. Like those are good bits. Um, you plan ahead, but, Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 I was trying for the whole thing to try to figure out the voices. Now I know how people feel. It's when they hard. Say they can't it is hard. They have very different voices. I just haven't since they don't identify themselves by name. I'm getting some incorrect association. But anyway, they're funny and people like them for a good reason. So we'll say that. Um, All right. I, I I subscribe to Adventure Zone and to that to maybe try to give them a try, but it turns out I don't have that much room in my. I understand. Uh, well, my, my schedule for a podcast. You break, you break but, my heart, but uh, I no, understand. I'm not breaking your heart. I'm not saying I don't like it. Uh, you know, and anything I'm saying, I'm saying you, I'm saying you look nice today was funnier, so you should be happy about that. Well, I don't know. Thank you. It was a good show. We had our moments. We, I think, we definitely had our moments. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Blue Apron the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. You can get $30 off your first delivery right now. You get free shipping. You get all that by going to blueapron.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients and they're building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients, and they make it so easy for you. Thing is, by shipping the exact amount of each ingredient ingredient that's required for a recipe, not an ingredient, an ingredient, Blue Apron is reducing food waste. I didn't sleep enough last night, but I love Blue Apron. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. We're big fans of Blue Apron in our house. As I've said before, my favorite part of it is that it introduces my kid to new foods that she ordinarily would not try because she's one of those weird little kids that just wants to eat starchy white foods. But the truth is, if she has helped make it, she is much more likely to try it. And their recipes are so fun. Uh, Let's get a look at the kind of things that you can get. You can uh, can get a variety of of new recipes each week, or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Here's Here's some recent meals. Seared chicken and roasted fall vegetables with caper butter pan sauce. Mm. Shrimp and pesto fettuccine with spinach. Black bean and cheese tortas with roasted broccoli and lime sour cream. Sweet pepper chicken with bok choy and rice. Yum, delicious. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. So we'd love for you to go and try Blue Apron today. You go to blueapron.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you... $30 off your first delivery plus free shipping. My God, what a deal that is. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So please get started today. You go to blueapron.com slash diffs. We'd like to thank Blue Apron for their support of this show and all the great shows. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Yeah, and it, like You Look Nice Today was not polished in the same way. It was polished by editing. So you threw out all the garbage and then and then they, you cut it down like Dr. Katz to just the good stuff, right. which is different, I think, than having an idea and 
going in with it and executing it. And Flophouse, there were no ideas. No one goes within with anything, and it's utter chaos. And a lot of it is just ridiculous but then you get just amazing gems spontaneously well i just want to say okay fine i i'm glad you listened thank you for trying it i'm still on my apology tour though of like this is the podcast i got most wrong about whether i would like it and i just want to continue to offer my albatross ish mea culpas that like i did not give it a chance earlier and i listened to six episodes a day this you had had the cool kid backlash everyone else likes it therefore i have to not like it thing because it was very popular right i had the cool kid backlash everyone likes it i also did have a whiff that like I, somewhere, and I, I, I'm so loath to admit this because I hope you will accept this is not how I usually am about things. I did get a whiff a little bit of like these guys are sailing a little bit on the fumes of something that I've been involved in in the past. And I was a little envious is the wrong word. Not envious, not mad, but also like but, I'm uh, not going to make. Can, can you explain that? Because I don't know. I'm not making the connection. There were not that many shows like You Look Nice Today before You Look Nice Today. Mm -hmm. Honestly. I mean, arguably, I guess, uh, Guy from the Office, um, Ricky Gervais' podcast, which I I had never heard at that point. But it's not like I even care that much, but it's more like if it's something where like, yeah, yeah, I've already, I know what what that's going to be. I know what that's going to be. It's going to be a bunch of guys joshing around talking about poop. Yeah, no, believe me, I know. It can be be very funny. Baby butlers, I get it. and, uh, and yeah, so I don't know, I don't know what to say apart from like, I, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm sorry I didn't listen sooner. It's it just, it has brought me such joy. And I do feel like if, if, if what we did had any, <sighs> dorky, uh, you know, if, if anything that we did inspired people like that to do things like that, that makes me happy because I think they're doing it better than we did. It's, and, it's hard to be magnanimous when someone is more successful with something that, that you it's feel honestly like you're a pioneer no, in. It's not honestly, you know what it is? It's not the success part in terms of dollar or audience. It's more like, you know, I have to say. You just want the credit. I know how you feel. Kind of. <laughs> no, kind of. Like, the like the thing is, like, um, I was not in the most popular band in town. I was definitely not in the best band in town. But I was happy to be in the band what I that I was in. And if there's one thing that I look for as a metric of success in what I do, it's like, do the people that I admire enjoy it. And that's always been my biggest metric. And it has like really served me well. So it's more like, you know, maybe part of it also is I just, I miss being on that show, to be honest, you know, and, but, but anyhow, um, but I mean, you got to talk to a bunch of unfunny jerks. I know. I have to talk to a lot of, um, people who are difficult in slightly different ways. I, I, (laughs) I specialize in talking to difficult people. This is the good place, Marlon. (laughs) <laughs> get over here with your dog tongue um well, yeah, well I, I anyway like i'm glad you guys, gave it a try i'm glad you gave it a try yeah and and, and like i said they're funny and, and related to them being funny and related to the flop house like the most recent live episode that Stuart couldn't make it to because he oh, his, he back. his back yeah um so they had it was in yeah LA, jordan so was on LA, that LA was fun and then they had a guest who i can't remember who was the guest uh, john hodgman no no it wasn't john hodgman okay no, the, the L.A. show, they did an L.A. show uh, live on stage and uh, someone whose name I can't recall, which probably means they're not like a super famous person, filled in for Stuart on stage. Oh, um, well, it was Jesse. Not Jesse. I'm sorry, Jordan. Uh, 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 yeah, Jordan Morris. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so is that from uh, Jesse Jordan Go, the Jordan? <laughs> he is the Jordan of Jordan, Jesse Go. Yes. Uh, Jordan, Jesse Go. Anyway, another show I've never heard. Okay. Way, right. 
Yep. All right. So I listened to the flop house and I kind of made the connection. That's the Jordan from that show that whose title I got wrong, who that you, I haven't you listened knew that to. That was a I name kinda, you'd heard before. Yeah. Right. I kind of made that connection because how many Jordans are there? Right. Um, and when I listened to that episode, like, again, I still have never listened to Jordan Jesse go. Their guest, Mr. Jordan, or whatever his name is, was so clearly like a practiced professional comedian. Did you hear he how was, well he laid back? He laid back so... His reserve is amazing. But when he spoke up, he came with the funny. He had a he, very funny joke. He was funny. Yeah. Everything that he said was funny. Funny in a way that fit with the show. Funny in a professional way that showed up the unprofessional Flophouse funny, which again, I love them for, right? And I was so impressed with him. As oh, I'm, I think so, he's I'm so not, glad to hear this. I, I thought the same thing. I... I I um I love them all, but like I I'm, I was bummed that Stewart wasn't there because like yeah I really like him a lot and I think yeah, he does. I mean he's no replacement for Stewart. I mean come on and he's and I honestly I think he's not a well, good. Also Stewart Stewart has like kind of like kind of re come into his own in the last few months. I think uh, like he's he's, he's he's picked up his game. I think it's a conscious effort. But he's he's yeah he's trying different stuff and like I think he's I don't want to say looser, but he's like he's taking on a slightly different personality that I think really works, especially with the more with the remote recording. I think he's stepping it up. Yeah, definitely is. But, uh, and, and, and Jordan is not a good fit to flop house to be clear. Stewart is a good fit. Like that's, they, they have to be, but it was, he was so unlike the other two that I took <laughs> note and I took note every time he spoke up, like he nailed it again. He did. He made a funny, he made another funny. Yeah. Uh, and he's not, and I know it's not he's, because he's, he's not, being you know, carefully he's, he's edited. He's not a checker. He's not a checker. It, 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 he's, and he's not being carefully edited and he hasn't prepared these remarks because how could you prepare for that show? You have no idea where hell anything's going to go. That's like, right. There is that's no preparing right. for it. Cause you just, you, you never know, uh, you know, when there's just going to be like a 15 minute derail about words. <laughs> Yeah, so it's pretty good. I, mean, I enjoy those episodes, even like when, when Hodgman has been on the Flophouse and he takes over the show. Like, yeah, that's a thing he that just he does. does. His thing. <laughs> <laughs> he does that thing that he does, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, so you want yeah. you want some Hodgman? You got it. Here's some yeah, Hodgman, and, and you know that's good for an episode. But he is also funny. Uh, podcasts are good. I agree, though. I hate comedy podcasts. I, I I said to my wife not very long ago. I says to her, I says, "Here's the thing. Uh, there's a thing that I realized. There's a point in college." I was an undergraduate in college, bachelor of arts guy, liberal arts. And I really considered myself a person. I didn't consider myself a poet, but I considered myself somebody who's one of my primary, you know, the kind of joy that you get from the concatenation of like emotion and intellectual satisfaction, almost like, you know, it could be solving a puzzle, could be watching a very exciting, like very complicated movie and like following it. But like, I feel like when I was certain poets and their poems really made me feel like I was operating at the top of my game. And I would like, there was, there was this handful of poets that like, I loved the way people love the Beatles and I still really like them. I don't read them as much, but the thing was, I realized at some point that as with folk music, and as I would later realize with comedy podcasts, you know what? The truth is I actually hate it as a genre. I just super love eight of these people a lot. And I can I can tell you without hesitation, uh, comedy podcasts are insufferable except for the ones that I love. Ditto is true for folk music. Ditto is true. I I just cannot reggae. I can't listen to reggae. I can't just sit around and listen to reggae. Put on some Peter Tosh and I'm happy for a while. But you know what I'm saying? Like with comedy podcasts, like it is this all kind of like you know it doesn't have to be all morning zoo, but there is something so like oh self aware. We're trying to be funny and we're acting like we don't know we're trying to be funny and we're professional and we're very LA and 
It's the worst. And so when you get a bunch oh, of bones, there it is, the LA bias. There it is again. CCR, you, get, just, you just get a bunch of. You just get, I thought it was El Cerrito. But you just get a bunch of boneheads who are pals up there, and they have good chemistry, and they know how to needle each other. Like that's gold, man. Oh my God, John, my heart rate, John, my heart rate is accelerated. My heart rate is 110 yeah. right now. My well, watch just told me I'm excited. It's a combination of, of emotional intellectual stimulation that is this show. I was going to say, this oh, is, so isn't this right like Sturgeon's laws? That am I getting right? Like 90% of everything is crap? Is that, am I mixing my laws? Oh, and the other 90% is miscalculated? Mm. Anyway, mm. like that, that, what you're saying is like, I don't like the genre of comedy podcasts, but I like the eight. Like, it could just be that in any genre, most of it is crap except for the eight that you like. Yeah, no, it's, um, no, who is it? 90% of, 98% of everything is uh, Jim Blippett. Uh, yeah, who was that? I forget. When in doubt, uh, uh, give it, it to either Mark Twain or Douglas Hofstadter. I could Google it, but then <sighs> we're probably a little short. Yeah, we can't do any of these. I big typed, ones. I typed sturgeon and it completes the eggs. Sturgeon eggs. Sturgeon eggs. No, yeah, I got it right. Ninety percent of everything is crap. Boom. Sturgeon's revelation commonly referred to as Sturgeon's law. Thank you, Wikipedia. Who is Sturgeon? Um, so I, I don't know. I closed the window already. What I want to do in our short remaining time, considering we've done one mini topic, and that's all in this thing, is I wanted to have a brief diversion into this is this is our uh, what's the matter with George? What's eating? What's eating Gilbert Grape section? It's the yeah, it's going to be. uh, Let's talk about John Roderick uh, with complete confidence that he will never hear us. It's like uh, it's like when Jay Leno, when Jay Leno would come on Letterman. Right. Remember, he always has something. He's got to be in his body. He's got something that's bugging him. Something he has to get out. Something he has to really talk. I about. I think I blocked out those appearances. Now that you said that, I said he did do that, didn't he? And that's bad. Yeah, but you ever really think about Mr. Potato? You, know, you give it to people in Vietnam. No, and like, stop. Uh, Don't do it. Hey, well, well, let's put a hat on it. Who's coming up with this stuff? <sighs> He's have you ever seen stand, Chris stand Elliott impersonate Jay Leno on Letterman? <laughs> no, I have not. Treat yourself. There are many. There's again. I'm not going to mention this account because I don't want them to get banned. But there is mm-hmm. an account on YouTube where somebody is not only posting butt tons of late night, not even late show, late night videos, but is like posting stuff that's, he's like the Michael Beschloss of Letterman, where like he will like post stuff that is relevant to things that are in the news right now. He goes and finds, he or she goes and finds relevant Letterman bits and posts them. It's amazing. And there's so much good stuff. You got the panicky guy. You got the guy under the seats. You got the conspiracy guy. You got the exterminator guy. It's all in there. I was waiting for someone to post uh, the uh, Olympic archer shooting the boombox in the hallway of the studio because that is my uh, first and most memorable. Uh, well, not most. Memorable, you know what? As a mitzvah, I, I'm going to try and find. I will try first, to find that for you. Memory. So wait, let me. It wasn't funny. It no. wasn't funny. The only reason I remember no. it is because it's the first time I realized this David Letterman guy. He's doing uh-huh. something different. I think this is well trodden ground. But anyway, let's not Bananas. distract from our friend, our friend John Roderick. <laughs> Yes. Who I don't know why you put this in the notes, but I'm willing to talk about anything related to John Roderick at any time. I put it in the notes because you were asking. Oh God, bless you. You. <laughs> oh my God, you. You know I could be it. Uh, you. Where you children play with their toys? And <laughs> you got what I need. Yeah, I love that I added that one in because that is so much in my mind for that such stupid song. When anyone you, ever says that, you provoke uh, like, me. Here, let me let me class it up for you. Let me class it up. Yeah, you okay. wanted to go something different when you hear you uh, go for heroes, Bowie. That'll that's better than Bismarcky. You, I. No, no, it's the no, no. It's, is that your Bowie? Come I, on, heroes. It could be heroes. And you, and you the and you, you could be queen. He, he the way he says that you. One of, one oh, of the you're best. talking at the last verse where he goes up an octave. 
one of those. Uh, uh, no, I think it's the first time I could be king yeah, and, you, goes, could be, and you, you could be queen. No, it's I. Right? I could be king. And then and then and then he says, and you, you could be queen, you. but then you he is one of the best lyrics ever put down in a rock song, that one word, the way he says it. The way it comes out of his body. That's better than you Bismarcky. Talk to me in our super secret private channel, which we uh mm-hmm. participate in. <laughs> no known as iMessage. It's so secret. It's it's a uh, George George getting angry no, and no. and you we no. have conversations about things you provoke me you 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 do this you go in there and you provoke me about what I did or did not or should have said to John Roderick and then I have to give you follow up about what I actually said to him off air you you cajole me you provoke me I'm living then, the dream I provoke you says the guy who sent me a picture of him giving me the finger you do that I was wearing your shirt I'm wearing it right now and and Alex giving me the finger everyone's well, giving me the finger she uh, she included in that I said I said hey you're wearing an ATP shirt at an Apple store could you send me a photo flipping John the bird she said sure she said I had to get under a table to take it because there were children there <laughs> <laughs> she's not under a table in that photo what are you talking about the ceiling yeah, she's, above ca- her she's head. Catholic um so uh, John Roderick uh, uh, has lots of adventures. A recent adventure is that he was visiting with his friend, uh, Jason Finn, the drummer. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how this came up, but apparently, uh, how did it start? Jason had an old computer. Well, you tell me. You remember. The, the, the John spotted because he's such a junk hound. You got crap? He's I, a crap I, hound. I, 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 yeah. He, he's a, yeah. And so he needs more crap. And he spotted this crap. And for some reason, he... Uh, in his retelling of it, that he'd been thinking that he needs a thing that is not a laptop to put things because somehow by it not moving, it feels safer. I don't know. He needs, like, a, he needs, a, he needs a thing for his stuff. Yeah, he needs a thing for his stuff. And the current thing is too ephemeral and, and gets stolen and, and found in drug dealers trunks. And it's a whole big anyway. So he, he sees this desktop computer. I don't know. He didn't describe it as a desktop computer, but he described it as like a big computer. And you establish that it has an Apple logo on it. Anyway, he he found a way to bargain to barter for it uh, by providing an expensive steak dinner <laughs> and giving a a bag that he found inside another bag. You're mangling this story so bad. Yeah, yeah, no, that's why you listen to the show. You listen to the uh, listen to Roderick on the line. You Everything hear the real story. that's on Roderick on the line is on Roderick on the line. Not true. Um, hmm. <laughs> so much that anyway. That's why I got to go into the super secret channel and find out the story. So you're saying anyway. you're like you're like the Milton. You're like the Milton to our God. Right, you're the one who goes in and explains the ways of Roderick to man. You're, that that reference, uh, Paradise Lost. I don't know. You're it's, you've gone too literary for me. I'm not. not so he says. What? He says to him. He says. He says, "You buy me a nice steak meal, and you can have this computer of mine." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this computer that was that was junk. It was going to go out. It's like you it's don't, a computer I, that you, was you, not you, turned on. Are you still on. using this? I can't imagine even accepting and trade a computer you had not even turned on. Well, he trusts he, a he trusts his friend and b he knows where his friend lives. Never, so I feel like that, never trust the drummer. That's just yeah, but he knows day where he lives. One. Like he's gonna go to his house. He would bring that thing yeah. right. He would demand satisfaction. He's he would come ar- back he, with that thing and say, "I, you know, he's, he's an ar- you're hanging by a thread." He would get satisfaction. I don't, I've never met Jason Finn, but I'm gonna say his law of averages. He's smaller than John. He's cool. He's a cool guy. And, and also probably fleece. pretty old. He's a very cool guy. Also probably pretty old. So both of them got the osteoporosis. So it'd be like a slap fight. Oh. It'd be fine. And he collects art. Yeah. Right, so really, who, what are we thinking of? I'm thinking of like you know, covered with tattoos because he's a drummer, like but really wrinkly. I now. think you're thinking of John Malkovich. You're, you're imagining him a little bit like John Malkovich, Jason Finn. Yeah. I have no idea what Jason Finn looks like. I'm picturing more like like a, like a '90s grunge person with a lot of tattoos, but now is like middle age, but still is trying to hang on to the young person look a little bit. Am I getting Jason? That Finn sounds right? like what you'd imagine. Yeah, 
Okay. I don't know. I, I'm afraid to Google Jason Finn to find out. Anyway, he's a handsome guy. So John's got this computer now, and I'm always worried. I always have the, the tech nerd worry about John and his computers because John has no interest in computers at all, and he thinks they're all haunted and out to get him. Um, and you want to see a person like that be successful with technology. You want to see them to to feel like they have safety, to feel like their computer is not out to get them, uh-huh. and it's a thing they don't have to worry about and it works like an appliance and they don't spend a lot of time fretting about their computer. And instead what he does, like many non-computer people is I want to spend as little money as possible on this thing in my house that hates me that I don't like that I nevertheless spend eight hours a day on looking on eBay for crap. Uh, Can you find me the one that is most likely to be unreliable and have a tremendous number of problems? Oh, it's cheap. That's the one that I want. Oh so now he's God. got. This, was, this is not. This was not. This is not in the text of the show. This is all in your brain. Well, no, I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. I'm telling you what's in my you, brain. You're, right? you're thinking and so when that. I hear, okay. All right. When I hear on the show that he has acquired, like, uh, you that know, he saw a computer on a desk uh, like, and thought like I can get that computer. for a steak. Yeah. <laughs> a, a found. He found it in, in a dumpster of have a drummer's house. Have you ever done house. that, John? Have you ever thought I could get a computer for a steak? Was, was, there was a thing. Was there a Seinfeld bit about that? About found food. Well, there was the bit about Kramer and Newman. Or the, the thing in the garbage. No, with George pulling the thing out of the garbage. Oh, he had the, the cake house. out of the garbage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> the muffin stumps, too, also. Even the homeless shelter doesn't want them. Mm, so exactly. Um, even the homeless shelter. But it, this, you wouldn't be able to give this computer to go. Although, if this computer was in Goodwill, John would have bought it there for $15, too. So anyway, uh, the deal so, is... So he's got the computer, and I'm worried that what he has now acquired is... An old, possibly filled with problems computer that is already obsolete. Well, I mean, there's also the bag. The bag, the bag, of course, which is which is a complication that John single handedly introduced without being asked into this equation. Oh, yeah, that's that's a hundred percent. It's on. It's uh, so on 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 brand for John Roderick to offer to, someone to complicate a- this exchange in a way that he feels like he's being cheated because he is. Yeah, I like the part where he, where he offers that his that his found bag. Is of equal or greater value because the person wants <laughs> he found it more. A bag and a bag and a bag. He had an extra extrajudicial bag that he gave, he offered to Jason. I don't think it was ever stipulated that the bag had any bearing on whether there was going to be a stake as a result. I think John invented that connection. Right, but but now he he explicitly said that now he feels like. Jason wants this bag more than I want this computer. So if anything, I'm owed money now. I shouldn't be buying him a stake. Like in the balancing the scales, he has found a way to to unbalance the scales away from him having any debt uh-huh. by giving essentially his junk, his much less valuable junk, even to like a Goodwill, to say this this bag that I, a from radio a radio station, station that I found in my closet premium. here's a pledge is, premium is equivalent value to a 2012 iMac, right? Right. Like they're about. Yes. In fact, I feel like he owes me now. Anyway, that's a separate separate issue entirely. Yeah. But now, so now John got this computer, and it's old, and I'm worried, and I'm worried that he's got, like, this is his quote unquote new computer, as in it is new to him. But it's an old computer, and it probably doesn't work. It was well. discontinued in 2014. Yeah, it probably doesn't work well. Who knows what version of the operating system it has in there? Who knows what kind of crap is on there? And how is he going to get his stuff into it? Does he know how to create an account for himself? Who's going to help him? I'm always that's why I'm worried about John. Like with my parents, who is helping them to get there and like when you do like the parent visits or relative visits and you're the computer person like people complain like oh i gotta come and fix all their computers but i want to fix their computers i want to get them into a state where there's nothing that they can break and they'll be fine for a few years right i want to get them all set anything they want to do they can do there's nothing they can do to break the stuff that they have and the things they care about are are, are safe or there are procedures that they understand like you want them to get settled in and be and that's what i feel like i have a sort of technology 
Sherpa anxiety when I listen to John because is that, but like no honestly, one, like like participating in that and getting your hands around it, knowing what they're dealing with, know, seeing like where they are with something is its own kind of welfare check for you. And then you, knowing that you're helping them, that reduces anxiety for you. Yeah, and also like that, I feel like no one in John's life is giving him this help. Like, and I understand helping John in particular in this way or anybody like there's it's onerous like and obviously I think you should spend I think you should spend say 12 years helping John and just just come back to me when you're done I I, I could do it in six months if, if if he didn't if he didn't kill me but um but no like I understand he's not the easiest person to help and I, <laughs> I, I understand I listen to the show right I listen to the show there's right? a reason but we use call recorder John but that's true but that's there's true of like so but that's true of anybody you help, I guess. Like, obviously, but when it's your parents, like, yes, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's difficult to help out your parents, but they're your parents. Like, you yeah. do it, right? So I'm what I'm looking for is I don't think this should be me, but I feel like, I mean, <sighs> his daughter eventually will grow older and become knowledgeable, and it will be her responsibility to help her doddering father with... But right now, he has nobody, right? So you're not doing it. You're too far away. You're just a friend. Um, the daughter is too young. Mm. His mother is 80-something and probably could help him, but doesn't have that kind of time. Well, she gets up really <laughs> right? early, yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. She's she's getting drowsy by that. Noah and all he's got, he's nerd adjacent. You're worried about John Roderick. Yeah. He's he's nerd adjacent, but most of his friends are rock and roll friends and they're not helping him. Right? Forget about that. Like his his sober rock and roll friends can't help him with his damn computer. Right? So so there's no one left. And I feel like you have the close you are the you have oh, close you're gonna proximity make this about and me? you well, why don't that's you why, why don't like, you contact John Roderick, who you know as a friend? As, I'm not as close to oh him as you God. are. You had a podcast with him for years. You've known him for years, and you are perhaps the nerdiest person that he is the closest with. Who is Monday mo- morning quarterback? My God. Yeah. Anyway, I I'm so, I sometimes I do guilt you for not helping him, but sometimes I just have anxiety that no one is helping him. Does it have to be you? Maybe not. Like okay. I said, it should. You're should saying probably- it's like a welfare check. He's now John is used to welfare checks. He, as he says, they usually come in the morning. And, and and to be clear, you're not talking about the money you get from the government for not having a job. You're talking about when you check in an old person to make sure they're okay. It's it's when you call the local police where a person of concern lives, and you say, mm-hmm. "Hey, could you wheel by the corner <laughs> of Dingle Dingle?" Just give a quick knock and make yeah. sure that everything's okay. And if he comes to the door and, and starts talking to you about explosions that he hears late at night and why no one else is doing anything about them, just don't worry about it. Just make sure just make sure the candelabras scattered throughout his house are not all lit simultaneously. Yeah, these neighbors over here doing the karaoke, you got song on the roof. <laughs> Paul's in the basement and every night there is a massive explosion. And why does nobody else hear it? There's a guy out, guy out in his un- uh, underwear with a gun in the street protecting his dog. Daughter. You got yeah. Skeeter. Yeah, that's when you find out Skeeter never really existed. Oh, see, it's just like me thinking I was driving the show. Uh, every time <laughs> you saw Blue, think of me at a water fountain. Off a cliff, am I right? Mm, up here. They fought and bit, they fought and fought and bit. Bit, bit, bit. It was the itchy and scratchy show.